happened? <laughs> Sully, no way. Oh man, I love the name Sully. Oh, where are we? Oh my God, are we back? We're back, baby. Oh wow, it's movie food. Mm. All right, and um, yeah, after a short hiatus with some guests, uh, we're back with my co-host Steve. Steve, I missed you, man. Carlo, I missed you as well. Thank you for holding down the fort while I was gone. Uh, I am not in the CIA. (laughs) Nothing kind of shady going on. I was just moving. So I was busy, you know, putting stuff into boxes and then taking stuff out of boxes and shutting down my internet and now getting new internet up and popping. So thank you to Brandon and to Rob and to you you for continuing the pod. Really cool to kind of hear those deep dives. And uh, I'm really excited for this app, man. Hell yeah, man. It's good to have you back. All right. So shall we get into some quick cuts? Let's do it, baby. Here we go. Quick cuts. All right. So since you've been gone, um, why don't you go first, Steve? What have you been watching? What have you been up to? Um, Okay. So there's a movie that I, I don't know how I have not watched it before. But we just watched it with the family. We've been trying to watch more movies as the kids get older. You know, sure. background on me in case I haven't. I'm not sure if I put it out on the pod. I've, I'm a father. I have two girls, eleven and seven and a half. And so they're starting to get to that age where we can start to watch more and more movies. You know, especially f- from the past, and that's really fun. And so we busted out the Parent Trap from nice. ninety. I think ninety eight. Oh, so the Lindsay Lohan, not the yeah. Haley Mills version. Right, exactly. So okay. Lindsay Lohan, Dennis Quaid, I think Natasha Richardson. Okay. Um, and uh, I got to say, you know, so so this came out in 98. When it came out, I, I, I did not watch it. I was already uh, 17 at this time. So I was probably watching, you know, The Matrix and American Pie and like a lot of hornier and kind of grosser kind of movies. <laughs> But I got to say, this movie is really, really good. I don't know. Like, Have you seen it? Do you have any history with, with no, the Parent uh, Trap? No, I have not seen trap? it. No, I haven't seen it. It's just, it's it's charming. Okay. So it's like a perfect family movie. Dennis Quaid is like top tier charming. I think he's smiling the whole movie. <laughs> um, and they kind of just go out of their way to make every character likable except the one uh, antagonist. And okay. it's just like it's just a really well done, tight family movie. You know, Lindsay Lohan I think is maybe twelve in this role, and she kind of, you know, she, I don't know. She, I thought she was great. She did a great job. And it's just a tight, cute family m- m- movie. It, it kind of Dennis Quaid lives in this Napa villa. Like his background, he's like he he's like a he owns a vineyard, and just th- all the stills of this photo of this movie like would look really good on that game framed. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, we haven't yeah. even brought that up on the show yet. All right, um, we got to talk about framed. Yeah, um, let's talk about it. So, um framed is it's like wordle but movie movie stills, I guess. Right. Um and uh I guess yeah, I want to pull up my record. I usually so you know, they they show you I think six frames from a movie. Yes. And the first couple are a little more vague it's a little more harder to tell what it is unless you're a real aficionado and then by the end they'll show you 
like a key moment or a star. So, right. you, so you usually you can get it in six unless it's something you haven't seen. Yeah, I mean sometimes I feel like it's four. Like by the fourth the fourth one is always like the giveaway for me. Yeah. Yeah, cuz totally. that's even like even if I haven't seen the movie. Um mm-hmm. yeah, I and you know, I guess you're a fan of stats, right? I love stats. <laughs> yeah. So so um the beauty of it now, you know, cuz it didn't have it when it first started, but now it has like a breakdown of of your guest distribution of like how many you get in one, how many you get in two, three, four, five. And yeah, I only have one that I got in five. <laughs> oh, really? And it was also partially by, by like an error of the app because <laughs> I, I should have gotten it in four. So it was, oh, a movie, right. Yeah. It was a movie I hadn't seen before, but like I said, like once you get to the fourth frame for me, like it's a dead giveaway. Like I, that's why yeah. I always get it at least in four. That's like my max, but that's this good. one. Yeah. It Okay. So there's a, there's a technicality with the, the app that, you can use to your advantage <laughs> in a oh. way like a hack <laughs> no way yeah there is and i mean what this is, is it? this is what i do basically if i haven't seen the movie and okay. then i'm i'm just taking wild guesses so okay. um the answers that are and i learned this the hard way too it was like i think when it was the prestige i had guessed it in like 2 mm-hmm. um but the problem was it didn't accept my answer because i typed it out so oh. it, it only accepts answers um, from the drop-down menu. So, right. you know, when you start to type the answer and the fifth one, that's why um, it, it went up to five because I typed in Bird Box <laughs> and right. I didn't realize that Bird Box was, um, I guess it was, uh, is it one word or two words? <laughs> yeah, okay, here, hold on. I'm on the app now. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll type it in. Bird it's two words. <laughs> two, yeah. Yeah, two. and I typed typed it in one word so um yeah. so it caught it still said that it was wrong even though i was like that's sandra bullock like that's yeah. bird box <laughs> you know she's wearing a blindfold yeah yeah <laughs> exactly so but yeah i'm like i'm looking at my stats now i have yeah the most guesses uh, is four for me i have 16 right. i've gotten it 16 times at four but the next is five so so oh, okay. I, I think so. So I live in the four five range, where I'm guessing you live in, in the two in the two three four range. Um. Yeah. I mean, the my max is one. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Uh. Yeah. It's weird. The two three. It's like close. It's like eleven and ten. Okay. And okay. then. Uh. But yeah. The the majority that I have is thirty one in one, which is crazy <laughs> to mm-hmm. think. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I also feel like, um, the last 31 in one, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's one for each day of the month. That's beautiful. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I feel like the past couple have been very easy. Like, uh, mm-hmm. it, I, I think yeah. today's one was, um, uh, I guess, yeah, people will listen to this later on, so they won't even know. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, it's, uh, the lighthouse. Uh, right. which I saw, and then um, I think the other day it was um, uh, Eyes Wide Shut. And then, yeah, actually my friend and I were talking about it because she also plays it. Mm-hmm. And Actually, it was Penny who designed our logo. Oh, nice. So she, yeah, she also played, yeah, shout out to Penny. So she was also playing Framed, and then, you know, if she gets it and it's, like, really easy for her because she doesn't watch as many movies as sure. I do, that just means it's e- it's really easy. So... 
Um, and then we were just talking about it, like with eyes wide shut. It's just like, man, you know, you take any frame from a Kubrick movie, you can just identify it. Like it's mm-hmm. just there was a way that he did it, and it's not just the way he shot things. It's like the design, you know, the frame. Yeah. Um, everything about a Kubrick film, like you just take a frame from it, and it's it's instantly identifiable as his. Yeah. It's so refined. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there's like an elegance to every frame, even like something that is kind of violent and rowdy, like um, a clockwork orange. There's still that kind of elegance that he brings to it. Yeah, I was thinking about that. How about like, um, like how painstaking it must be for, you know, for him or for, you know, everyone on a Kubrick production to kind of get that for each moment. But then it pays off 20 years later when you're looking at it. Whereas, you know, take anybody else who's still good, you know, like a John Carpenter or, um, you know, there's so many, uh, uh, you know, uh, other peers of his that mm-hmm. you would consider are great directors that there's that, but, but there's a little more roughness, a little more thrown right. togetherness at times that sure. it's never there on a Kubrick. No. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's just, um, he was notorious for this of just like taking, several takes to do even like the simplest shot like yeah. you know i mean uh one that that's a really well-known story is in the shining when um scatman uh crothers is like um like giving a tour of the hotel like apparently mm-hmm. they did like 56 takes or something crazy like that like he was yeah. so exasperated at the end it was like what do you want mr kubrick like he actually said that to him but you know the proof is in the pudding and this is also the reason why I guess David Fincher can justify his methods as well because Kubrick did it. <laughs> so, you know, you see it in Fincher. And I would even say, like, uh, to a certain extent, the Coen brothers as well. Like, um, mm-hmm. I guess this is my quick cut. I rewatched um, A Serious Man last night. Um, yeah, which I hadn't seen since it came out. Like, I actually watched it on my birthday in right. 2009. And that was the last time I saw it. And I saw it at the at the Grove, too. Mm. Um so yeah, so, how was it the second time, or sorry, or uh, this last time? Yeah, the yeah it was the second time. So yeah, it's been more than a decade. Um, I mean yeah, that's really it. The one thing about the Coens, even if I don't, it, like the movie doesn't really like resonate with me, I I still appreciate their craft. And yeah, they do have this kind of meticulousness about them. Again, like Kubrick, but um, theirs is more, I guess, in the um. Like they they don't really allow for improvisation. Like they always want like their cast to like it, the movies are just so like finely written that they just want the cast to like deliver the dialogue as it's written, you know. Right. And the performances, of course, and just uh, they're even the way their characters look. You just know it's a Coen Brothers movie, you know. And uh, with this one, uh, I guess it it came at a time where. I was really falling out with them because uh, they were just making these really goofy movies up until this point. Um, uh, After, I think... uh, Oh, okay. So it was a weird sequence. It was like kind of up and down. So uh, they made two movies that were very middling. Actually, one was pretty bad. So uh, they had made um, Intolerable Cruelty, which I want to revisit because I kind Mm. of enjoyed it. It was kind of like an old... like screwball comedy like Cary Grant type uh, comedy with with George Clooney um and then the other one which was terrible was The Lady Killers 
And the best thing about the lady killers was the cat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, and then you know they follow it up with um, with uh, the movie that basically won them the Oscar um, for best picture, uh, No Country for Old Men, which I've also rewatched recently, and it still holds up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they followed that up with Burn After Reading, which was terrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it was just going up and down. But then when this film came out, I was genuinely surprised. I was like, man, like, and this is the thing, like, whenever I pick a movie to watch on my birthday, I, I've i never been completely disappointed. Like, it's like, it's at least like a fun ride or something like that. I don't know. Maybe it's the euphoria of my birthday that mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of uh, extends that goodwill to the movie. But um, but yeah, I actually really liked it because to me, it, it's one of the most personal movies. You know, it's set in Minnesota. It's about being Jewish in Minnesota. And um, yeah, it, it feels like it's even like a period, you know, it's a period when they were growing up, you know, um, that it relates to. And um, uh, yeah, the performances are great. They, I guess what also made this stand out was it didn't have any of their regular actors in it like it was a lot of actors that they had worked with for the first time which was refreshing because you know they had like their stock company of actors that they usually work with but you know like uh, everybody's seen like Michael Stuhlbarg in a bunch of movies but this is a rare opportunity for him to be the lead uh, in this film and um, yeah there's something about like you know how there's certain things in movies that that trigger people um and uh you know it's like especially in horror films like to me this is like my version of a horror film because of just like how much of a pushover his character is <laughs> and just like how he's getting pushed around in the entire movie especially by his wife and the the guy who's um uh his wife is having an affair with who's played excellently by uh Fred Melamed and um yeah it was just like i was cringing while i was watching it you know um oh. but yeah the, the the thing about it too the uh, cuz i i really don't think the coens have made a movie as good as this since then you know like i i feel like a lot of the movies they've made recently have just been like okay you know i mean i wasn't even a, a big fan of macbeth even though that's just joel cohen on his own and then um uh what was the other one that they did for Netflix um Ballad of Buster Scruggs like you know it was okay but um but yeah this one it was just because i think it was personal and they were so engaged and like it had so much of of jewish culture in it that i had, yeah. it was just like such an unfamiliar world and um yeah i mean i got to give a shout out to the use of music i mean they they used um Jefferson Airplane's uh uh, what is it? Want somebody to love? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the one that <laughs> yeah, Jim Carrey sings in <laughs> in Cable Guy as well. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's used to great effect. But there is one other scene, and it's like the sequence that most people remember from the movie. I don't know if you've seen it. Have you? No, I haven't. No. Oh man. Okay. Well, there. I'll just say add that it, it's this. Add it to the list. Yeah, yeah. There's this scene that's like an anecdote. That's almost like. Uh, uh, it's almost peripheral to the movie, but it's like a beautiful like digression. And the movie is kind of like that. It's a lot of like little digressions, mm-hmm. and um, uh, it makes use of a track that I didn't recognize when I first saw it because I had never heard it before. But now since I have it on vinyl, I was like, "Holy shit, that's uh, Jimi Hendrix's Machine Gun," you know, which is on the the live album uh, Band of Gypsies. 
and I'm like, damn. Yeah, I was just like blown away. Like, man, you know, Steve, you're a guitar player. So I think mm. if you haven't heard Machine Gun by Hendrix, oh, oh yeah. man, you got to listen to it. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I rewatched cool, The Serious Man. Yeah. I do, th- I do recall watching Buster Scruggs, and I think, I, although I, I, I agree with your assessment of it that it's just kind of all right, I thought it was really fun. Um, the, the experience of watching that and then, I don't know, talking about it with friends and comparing which sections of it you liked more and kind of right. creating your, your rankings. So I kind of like that, that, that it kind of had that aspect to that sure. movie and that every, you know, a couple of those stories, um, I remember just like being blown away with how beautiful everything looked. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. That, that, so, uh, yeah, I think, I think you're right. Like, I think the Coens at times can really capture something that is, kubrick-esque yeah and i i I think uh, the the thing is why they have this kind of uh, i i don't want to call it autopilot but there's definitely these middling movies that they've made is because they've already achieved so much in their career you know it's Mm -hmm. like um some filmmakers get like that like they just get complacent and they're like well you know i mean (laughs) i've already won best picture you know i've won the palm door it's like (laughs) you know i i I just want to make something fun you know <laughs> yeah so and that's... and it definitely seemed like it would probably would have been really fun to make burn after reading you know, sure like you know when you consider the cast and how goofy all the characters are in that movie. right like i think it was fun for the actors it was fun for the coens to kind of capture all that stuff but oh yeah but ultimately it was kind of like it's one that's like a a movie for them and not necessarily a movie yep. for us right you know? <laughs> and i mean yeah it, it's like i guess that was their their way of following up such a huge success because I mean it yeah. was the same thing with with sure. Fargo you know they followed it up with the Big Lebowski and you know I mean there's Big Lebowski has a, a lot of fans now but I remember because I was a fan of it when it came out and I'm not just saying right. this is like I'm day one kind of shit yeah. like I, I you know I remember seeing the poster of Jeff Bridges with like the reflection of the rug in his sunglasses and I was like mm-hmm. what is this movie I need to see it you know, um, and yeah, I saw it in the theater um, when it came out in '98. Um, yeah, talking about '98 with uh, the Parent Trap, <laughs> it parent came trap, out the same yeah. year. Um, and yeah, it was it was incredible. Uh, but yeah, like it it didn't make much money for them, uh, the, and a lot of people just didn't get it at that time. But now it yeah. has a lot of fans. But yeah, it was kind of like that. So I think yeah, Burn After Reading was like there attempted doing another kind of big Lebowski type movie, but right. yeah, this didn't work as well. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I have a, a loose thread. Um, I think it was the conversation you had with Brandon. Okay. You guys were talking about at some point, you know, uh, you know, in the conversation you talked about movies where people get shot in the dick. <laughs> do you remember, do you remember that at all? Ah, uh, vaguely, yeah. <laughs> okay, and you you guys were trying to rack your brain thinking about like what other movies. I forget if if a Friedkin movie had it. I think so. And yeah, then I you mean, were trying to think of like other ones. Yeah, I brought up RoboCop. Um, RoboCop, for yeah, sure. RoboCop's yeah. a classic. <laughs> yeah. The one I thought of was because it was a movie that I had seen this last year was um, in Scream Four. Oh, so, okay. So that's the one. 10 years ago, I think with, uh, Robert, with Emma Roberts. Yeah. Um, there's a scene where at the end when she's revealed as the killer, 
she shoots her boyfriend in the dick. Oh, man. I completely blanked out on that. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So yeah. so I just wanted to make sure I got that one in. Okay. <laughs> um, All right. Good to know. I mean, I'm sure there probably right. is a list that exists on Letterboxd yeah. of dick shots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. that or, or like a Twitter thread that just shows like all the gifts of, you know, every, every time it's happened. <laughs> oh my god! Those. Oh yeah, that's um, crazy. I do have another kind of random movie question. It, so, right. so, so it's something that I thought of while I was texting with um, with uh, our cousins, our, you know, our family. Yeah. Um, are there movies that you've accidentally pretended to have seen? So the reason why I say this is because it's really easy in conversation, especially if someone's like rattling off a list of things. Right. And for them to say, oh, have you seen this? And at first you might say, no, I haven't. Um, but then eventually you give in. And so the, the example I have, because it's because it's, it's something that I realized I did with 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 Jr. and in um, some of our other family members is years ago that they asked, oh, have you seen raid yet you know the yeah. raid redemption right Great and i movie. hadn't seen it yet mm -hmm. and then a year goes by and they start talking about it again and they say have you seen it I, and i think probably that second time i still said no but eventually i just kind of it would just became easier to, to, to just say oh yeah 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 i've seen it <laughs> but i but then eventually i realized hey why am i lying right so I like self-reported to them that hey, oh wow, just just self-report. I have not seen it yet. I will get to it. <laughs> I promise. I just mm -hmm. haven't, you know, rattled it off yet. So I'm just wondering, has that ever happened to you, where you've like accidentally put yourself in a spot where you, where you, where you find yourself lying about it? Um, I I think it 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 it's really more um the opposite. Uh, oh. like it's, it's more like I forget that I've seen something <laughs> and then I say <laughs> yeah, that I haven't awesome. seen it, you know? Um, <laughs> so Carlo. yeah, because, uh, you know, I spent most of my early twenties just like watching like five movies yeah. a day and yeah. it's <laughs> to all That's of amazing. you yeah, burgeoning, uh, uh, cinephiles out there. That is not the way to watch movies <laughs> because, um, yeah, you're yeah. just basically flipping through them. Like it's like a, like speed reading. Or binging, right. you can't really binge movies because it's just the you, retainment's tough, yeah. right? And then I, I, what ends up happening, and this is my cautionary tale, is that you'll spend like your late twenties and then your thirties just trying to rewatch these movies again because it's like you forgot what happened, uh, or you forget the ending. But that's part of the fun too, actually. You know, yeah. I, I think that's actually a sign for me that it's like, oh, it's time for me to, to revisit this movie because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I don't remember how it ends. Um, totally. and, uh, yeah, well, just a good. funny thing related to that though, was that, um, you know, I was organizing like my Blu-rays and, you know, most of them are like to watch stuff, but I was like, I have to like create a stack of the ones that I haven't seen uh, mm. ever. And so I created that stack and it was just like a small handful compared to the ones that I just wanted to rewatch. Right. <laughs> it's crazy. It's like the 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 stack is probably like 12 high at the most mm -hmm. of just like movies that I'd never seen before. Um yeah. and then everything else is just all rewatches, you know. Um, well, yeah, I mean it, it it's it speaks to something about us. It's, it's it, that's got to be a, like a human some kind of cultural characteristic where it's just you know, it's just so easy to go back to the things that you already know that you right. like as opposed to trying something new and you really have to like 
kind of force yourself into it or, or kind of put yourself in a situation where you would choose that. Right. Cause, um, yeah, it's so tempting that, you know, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. And, and just another related thing to that too, you know, just the whole pretending if you've seen it or not, it reminds oh, me yeah. of a, a literary, uh, parlor game, which I think most people would fail at now, which is basically like you keep listing books that you've read mm-hmm. until like you run out. Like, and then, you know, whoever, you know, it's called humiliation. So it's like, you know, whoever has read the least obviously like gets yeah, eliminated. Feels and, bad. Yeah. And there's like huge sections of the population now who don't read at all uh, other than their mm-hmm. phones. But I, yeah. I'm thinking like, yeah, the next evolution of that game would be movies. Like you just keep listing movies yeah. until like yeah. basically it's like, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And actually th- that's how you start it first. You start it with like the classics. Mm-hmm. So um, that's how you you start to eliminate people. So people will, you know, in movies it would be like The Godfather or Citizen Kane sure. or French Connection, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that would be a really funny kind of um, thing to do. Is uh, yeah, to. Totally. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just uh, yeah. I I don't think I've maybe as a kid I've pretended that I've seen yeah. movies, well, certain uh, movies. So I'm guessing. The category for you might not be movies. It might be like a band. Oh, have you heard this band? Mm. And uh, or you know, or have you eaten at this restaurant? Like, there's there's so many times where it's like right. that little white lie. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, you, you, sometimes you feel brave enough or you feel mature enough to just say no, I haven't. But then sometimes it just feels fun to lie. Right. And then, but then but then you can get stuck in the lie for years. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's wild, but uh, but but going to the movie thing, I do. I have noticed an uptick just in myself, you know. Of um, I think for a long time I was kind of operating like, oh, movies—they're such a commitment. I'd rather just binge a show or listen to right. a podcast and all these things that are a little, um, a little more easily accessible, or so you think. Right. But then I was kind of thinking about how, you know, over the last couple of years, like I've really like I've binged. You know, like, you know, if I look through my podcast app, I have, you know, and, and if I'm trying to stay on top of my podcasts, you know, that come out weekly or sometimes twice a week, it's, you know, it's like it's hours upon hours of my attention that I'm giving to this thing that's very, um, yeah, what's, you know, it's, uh, I would say podcasts are more disposable, especially sure. if, if you're listening to like comedy podcasts or, or podcasts where they're just like, shitting around right you know um as opposed to it's like locking yourself into a movie for only 90 minutes of of an interesting narrative with plot points and that can make you kind of feel something and it's like it's been kind of nice to to kind of come back to movies over the last six months and to kind of realize no there really is something here nice in in a in a tight narrative you know, it's not a bingeable 10 episode show where it's 10 hours of your time. And really by episode four, you're kind of like, you know what? This isn't that good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's like it's 90 minutes to three hours or whatever it is. And I'm starting to realize I really appreciate it again. So that's been really fun to, oh, that's you know, great to kind to hear, of man. rediscover movies, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I guess for me, there is that you know, dual prong thing of like my purpose in terms of watching Mm. movies, you know, it's not just to be entertained, like especially the ones that I want to revisit. It's because there's something there that I want Mm. to see again that basically inspires me. 
Um, yeah. so that that's that's what I tend to look for in in the movies that are keepers for me is like there's something there that like inspires me, and it could be totally unrelated to what I'm interested in and like what my preoccupations are creatively, but. If the the movie just has that thing, you know, uh, I love yeah. like Richard Linklater's um, like description of, of like a plot, which is basically it's just the thing to like hang on, hang these like lovely moments on. And those lovely moments are the things that I cling on to um, mm. with movies um, and are those things. And I mean, yeah, the, that talk that he does like at the New York Film Festival, I think it's on YouTube, um, even though they don't show the clips themselves because of, I guess, copyright stuff. But him talking about these these scenes that he loves in movies, and sometimes they're not even scenes, they're like details or moments. Um, sure. Yeah, that that's that's really one of the things that, that brings me back to movies, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm well, once we get into into our feature here, I'm really curious to see what inspires you about the movie we're going to talk about. <laughs> For sure, we'll we'll get there. I got a couple more quick cuts. Okay. Uh one is kind of um a sad one. because uh, okay. I I had no idea when I I went there. So, uh you're definitely familiar with uh, the West Side Pavilion, right? Oh yeah. 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 So that, it, that that's not a lie. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's been closed for a couple of years now, and I, I went there because um, it's so funny how those who know this mall, like uh, the kind of uh, uh, western wing of the mall, be, like got t- taken over by the landmark theaters, you know, and mm-hmm. so there's that landmark theater that exists, and then a dead mall basically <laughs> to uh, to the east. And uh, yeah, they've been converting it to to offices now, and I mean, I guess that's what's happening. But then I found out I, when I went to see this movie at the Landmark that um, the Landmark is also closing at the end of the month. Oh, and damn, as of today, actually, currently, um, my friend wanted to go because I didn't even know they had this promo where on Mondays and Tuesdays movies at any time are seven dollars. Um, yeah, so they were doing that, yeah, that nice promo, and then, you know, you get to see, like, because, you know, Landmark's programming tends to be more, like, world indie cinema, um, Mm -hmm. so, yeah, and I, I watched this movie called Vortex by, um, Gaspar Noe, who's, um, I don't want to say he's my, one of my favorite filmmakers, but I definitely, every time he comes out with a movie, I want to see it, you know, because he's always Mm -hmm. trying something different with his his films you know um there's always something in it that like again it's like those moments right but somehow this film was kind of disappointing it was like the the move uh, i mean i'm gonna spoil it but basically the the, the entire movie shot in split screen almost the entire movie is is split screen oh, wow. and it, it follows like this elderly couple so one camera is following the the husband and then the the other camera is following the wife through the movie and then you know you have these moments where they pass each other and you don't see the cameras following them and it's so amazing wow. yeah because you know it's like showing scenes from both uh, vantage points so it's like you know they have to repeat that exact gesture and then your eye is like wandering so you know i'm actually sell- upselling it a little bit but those are the best parts in the movie it's like when you're trying to figure out um how they they pulled it off but in terms of narrative, it just wasn't that interesting. It was a very, you know, I guess it was trying to simulate what it is to be old. So it's a very slow movie. Not much happens. Uh, there's right. one event towards the end of the movie where it's like you think that 
like it's gonna go batshit insane because it's it's Gaspar Noé and he's known for that, but it doesn't. <laughs> so yeah, so it's just like it doesn't huh. really yeah it it didn't really go anywhere, and I was just disappointed and um, yeah yeah. So and it, and it, and it wasn't like intentionally supposed to, like trying to be kind of a hangout or it wasn't say as charming as like a Patterson no, kind of style. No, it, yeah. it, it, it yeah. there was something dark to it. Like I mean, I haven't yeah. seen um Michael Haneke's Amour, but it it felt like it was similar to that, but Amour I think is is more is better handled because it it leads to I know where it leads to in in that movie and it's like, you know, Michael Haneke I guess is the more controlled <laughs> version of Gaspar Noe. Uh but that's a terrible comparison. <laughs> but um but yeah, like Haneke sticks to landing with his movies. You know, you know that like things are gonna blow up at the end <laughs> okay. uh, with Michael Haneke. But uh, with this one, it was just uh, man. And yeah, that's the sad thing. It's just like that's the last movie I ever got to see at the landmark before it closed. Um, and uh, yeah, they they still have another theater in Westwood, but it's a, like a one screen theater and it looks nice from the photos that I saw and I might have seen a movie there like in the LA Film Festival when they used to have it in Westwood but uh, I guess it's been renovated Um, but yeah it's another movie theater in LA that bites the dust R.I.P. yeah Yeah. R.I.P. but yeah Uh, so a couple more quick cuts that are actually hip hop related (laughs) I want to just bring up Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, there was another thing I wanted to bring up, but I forgot what it was. I I wanted to add like a little. Oh, I'm gonna call it. Um, so I ha- I'm gonna have like a little section that uh, in our quick cuts that are like just a hot take, but uh, I'm gonna call them Scott takes because <laughs> named after uh, in honor of my my friend um, Scott Thorough, uh, <laughs> because okay. um he often tends to have uh um. Uh, like an opinion that people think is a hot take. Like he's deliberately sure. like being contrarian, but I know he's sincere about his taste. Like he genuinely loves the Wachowskis. He even loves like Jupiter Ascending. Like you know, there's no like kind of irony in terms of okay. of his love yeah, so, for certain things. So so he's he's throwing out something that other people might mistake as oh he's actually. Um, doing this hot take just, right. just to have a moment, but in actuality, it is authentic. Yeah, like he. Another thing that he he kind of repeats is that you know he thinks Iron Man three is the best MCU movie. So okay. <laughs> and people hate that one <laughs> the most. That is I a think. Scott take. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, I'll I'll have that lined up in a bit, but um, and I mean just related to Scott too because you know he's in that world of hip hop music and you know he composes music for movies too. Um, you know, he would he would dig wow. this too. So um I, I recently got the low end theory um by Tribe Called Quest on vinyl. And um okay. yeah, surprisingly it was actually hard to find for a while. <laughs> I don't know what it is with Tribe Called Quest records. Like they, they go like out of print for a bit and then they come back, you know. Um but this one like it got pressed by uh, I have this uh, subscription with vinyl me please, which is like one of the best like um vinyl uh subscription uh I'm, I'm not i'm not i don't work for them i'm not promoting them but like yeah the they're the the stuff that they put out is like my taste so uh they 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 did like this really beautifully like crafted like um 
uh, package, you know, like it's got a matte cover with like embossed lettering and some foil. It's just, it's, it's a really beautiful uh, package that they put together. But um, the thing that was like a revelation for me was because I always wondered, it was like, you know, when Excursions comes on, which is the opening track, like, um, why is it censored? You know, <laughs> it's like, I, I, I never got that because I also have Midnight Marauders and Midnight Marauders is not censored. You know, it even has the parental advisory sticker on the cover. But in low end theory, there's a couple of lines where I'm just like, why, why are they censoring this? So I had to like do some research. And apparently, uh, and I don't know if it's still common practice today, but um, when you have when you're clearing a sample, you know, um, apparently you still need to get the the artist's approval, and and that extends to cursing. <laughs> so certain artists that you're sampling, they might not approve of cursing or profanity. So you have to oh. yeah, so you have to censor yourself as a rapper. Uh, <laughs> yeah, wow. uh, yeah, it was like this crazy thing that I learned because I was just like, man, low end theory is like thirty years old. It's like, why, why are they still censoring these songs? You know, and then I realized like, oh, it's self imposed because yeah, they had to appease uh, whoever they were sampling. You know, the original artists wow. that they sampled for the yeah for the beats. So now I know. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, and I guess now you know, like, and our audience now that's knows. That's a fun fact. Yeah. <laughs> that's a legit fun fact right there. Okay. Right. Yeah, and just a quick one related to hip-hop too. Um, I, I watched this documentary called, um, it's part of like uh, TNT's like Rich and Shameless series. And there was one where I was like, oh man, I got to see that. It was called The Pharma Bro versus Wu-Tang. And <laughs> I don't know if you know <laughs> the Genesis. I have not I don't know this. Oh, okay. So title. All right. So the background of it is basically um, the Wu Tang released this um, this album that only has one copy in existence, and it's like the CD. It's not even on vinyl. It's a CD that's in like this beautiful like metal box, and the whole like um, condition that RZA put on it was basically that it wasn't gonna get released until like. 2050 or 2060 so basically when they're all dead like Mm -hmm. uh all the wu-tang members will be dead by that time unless they live to 100 um uh and uh so the only one person can get this album and they have to get it by auction um and and then he did say though like the as a caveat that if the person wanted to share the album with everybody else they can you know it's up to them and right. um, so they put it up for auction, and it goes for two million dollars. <laughs> yeah, for a CD, I think that's the most expensive CD ever sold. <laughs> and, 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 and and when was this? Was this? Because uh, yeah, I just I just I just gave it a goog, and it's it's, it's it, it looks like it was like last year or something. Um, well, I mean, it, it came to a head last year, but no, it, it was it okay. was earlier than that. Like I want to say it was okay. like 2014, 2015, around that time. Okay. Um, yeah, so, uh, so yeah, uh, they initially didn't reveal who won, uh, the auction because it was, you know, a silent auction. And then, um, it turns out that it was this pharma bro, Martin Shrikeli, um, who, um, became notorious because he, you know, he basically was providing like, um, this, uh, uh, it was like a pill that people needed to like be able to live with HIV or AIDS, and he marked right. up the price to like seven hundred percent or something like that. Like Jesus. it was something insane, 
you know like it used to be like yeah. ten dollars a pill or something like that and he started charging like you know seven hundred dollars for it. <laughs> so farmer bro yeah yeah so that's why he, and because he was that you know he was like very obnoxious and like um you know uh he just had this kind of um uh he was just annoying like everybody would say like um um uh he he was just like a bratty kid that everybody wanted to punch his face um so yeah uh the, but the the thing is the documentary is not worth watching Shkreli. yeah like um Martin Shkreli. yeah Martin Shkreli, yeah um the documentary is not not worth watching because the beef between him and the Wu-Tang wasn't really even a beef it was actually more him and Ghostface and it's very anticlimactic like they spend uh, an hour on it but it's it's really more about him than Wu-Tang Clan and just like you know all his like man. shady nefarious things that he was doing and then i guess the man. karma of him i just want a good i just want a good documentary on the Wu-Tang Clan like yeah. i just want to see Ghostface and everybody just doing it yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. i don't care about this scrap yeah guy yeah and, this isn't but, the one man but also although it does seem like there's recent news that he's getting out of prison early yeah. So that's cool for Shkreli. Yeah. Well, the thing for him too is that they seized all his assets because, you know, um he he did yeah. like securities fraud. So one of the things that they seized was the Wu-Tang CD. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. So um it 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 was owned by the government for like a minute and then they auctioned <laughs> it again and then they didn't reveal this time who who um got it and for what amount. But apparently whoever got it, they have the intention of sharing the the album to everybody. So, yeah. And I mean, you know, that's the whole thing. It's like we haven't had a good Wu-Tang album in a long time. You know, even that one no. that they released, uh, like, uh, I guess in 2016 or 2017. I can't even remember. But it was just, uh, yeah, it was okay. You know? <laughs> um, well, yeah, so I, 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 well, I feel like Wu-Tang is another one of those where it's like, would you rather listen to the new thing or listen to the old ones that you like? Right. And it's just like. It's so, te- you know, because you know that you have your favorite five to ten songs from the previous albums that you can put on and you know every other word or you know a couple phrases here and there and you can kind of get into the vibe. Right. It's kind of hard to get into a new record. And so, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, and yeah, I mean... Um, it's tough. Yeah, just even related to that, I don't know if you've seen the the Wu-Tang show on Hulu where they fictionalize no. their, their whole background and stuff. It's it's a strange show. I mean, there's a lot of like goofy and corny things going on in that show, but um, there are also moments that make it you know watchable and like uh, mm-hmm. there there's certain approaches that they do to like um, the stories which are fascinating. Like you know there'll there'll be certain sequences that are animated, uh, or they they recreate like the old music videos. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's still worth watching. You know, I'm I mean I'm. I'll, and also the okay. the the great thing about the show is that it really takes its time. Like you go through all of season one, and then they don't even uh, release uh, "Enter the Wu Tang" yet. <laughs> Thirty six oh, <good>. chambers, <laughs> like it takes that that long. So yeah, yeah, my my friends and I were actually joking about it of just like, oh, how long will it take for them to like do the the yeah. storylines of the the second albums, yeah. you know, or even the first albums yeah. of each member, <laughs> you know, because uh, like yeah, yeah, so like um is it be- is it better than um stay than a uh, straight out of compton 
I have not seen Straight Out of Compton, so I, oh, I okay. can't compare it. But okay. I, I will say that it's it's not a high bar that this mo- this right. show sets um, because, uh, yeah. Well, for one thing, it, it's it's really miscast. Like the the Ugh. kid that they cast as the RZA is not <laughs> anything like the RZA. He's he's uh, I think his name is Ashton Sanders, and he, uh, you know, bless him. He's he's actually a good actor, but he's just not in the right role because uh, he was very good in Moonlight. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, yeah, so many of them are miscast. But there are some that they get right. Like uh, I think the guy who's cast as ODB is really good. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, yeah, yeah. And then you know, it's just like the in between moments that I I didn't I didn't realize. You know, I mean, of course, you know, you'll have these things where they they weave in like, oh, what what's the story behind this lyric, or like, how did he find this sample? You know, the RZA found this sample, and I mean, some of those strongest moments are yeah. those parts where he's just making music in the basement. You know, it's yeah. really good. Um, I mean, that's that's always been where my where my imagination goes when I listen to some of those records. It's just like I wish I could have been there when when method man wrote you know apocalypse now yeah. mind over matter next batter beat the cow yeah you know, they haven't like, even oh, gotten whatever, there yet <laughs> whatever yeah. your favorite phrase right. verse section yeah. you know wh- whenever they yeah whenever they get to, to wu-tang forever yeah. you know god well, celebrating um, it and, and, and then eventually when 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 quentin Tarantino calls him and is like hey can you do the <laughs> the soundtrack to kill bill right or however, i mean even how, before how, that though like he did the soundtrack to ghost dog um for for jim oh. jarmusch that was actually rizzo's first soundtrack it wasn't kill bill oh. and you know kind of tarantino was i i feel like he he saw that and he was like oh i'd like to get the rizzo even though it's like who remembers the score to kill bill you know <laughs> it's like yeah i just re- remember that that um but that's not the RZA though. That's actually yeah. That's, not yeah, him, that's no. actually um. That's from uh, Battles of Honor and Humanity, um, mm-hmm. which is yep. an old Japanese film that uh, Tarantino took that. And I mean, you know, you remember also the the when she rides the plane. It's like the Green Hornet theme, and then um. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 a really good point. Mm-hmm. Is it's all? I, still... I actually don't know what what the RZA. Did that is memorable, um, or at least I, I, I'm struggling. To yeah, yeah. The only real, um, like, because even like the whistling theme, you know, when uh, L mm-hmm. um, yep. like goes to like murder her. Uh, yeah, that that's from a Brian De Palma movie. <laughs> you know, it's like none of these are, um, yeah, are original pieces. But the only part that I distinctly remember that's where Riz's score shines through mm-hmm. is um, basically after she's gone through like the crazy 88s. And then it's just oh, yeah. her and um, uh, uh, what's her name? Oh, Ren. Oh, uh, yeah, kind of yeah. facing off. There's like kind of this build-up music, and it kind of goes dang dang, and it's kind of like it, it's like a little mm. bit of a simple yeah. beat, and like yeah, th- that's RZA's score. But yeah, it's really underutilized. Like you know, if you really want to see like a movie with like an amazing RZA score, and I think it's one of the best things he's done is the Ghostface score. Uh, I mean, uh, Ghost right. Ghost Dog. Ghost dog. Yeah, yeah, score is incredible. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. So Sounds we've good. gone to that point of my uh, Scott take. <laughs> All, right. So, all right. And it's, it's two movies that I saw, uh, three movies that I saw recently. So my Scott take is Turning Red and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness are better than everything, everyone, all at once. <laughs> Ooh, that is a Scott take. <laughs> 
I can join you on turning red, okay. but I haven't seen the other two. All right. Okay. So the point of comparison is basically I'm I'm roasting this uh this movie with Michelle Yeoh, which is you know it's yeah. it's an okay film. Um, but yeah, the the point of comparison between those two films is obviously with the Doctor Strange movie, it's also a multiverse movie, mm-hmm. and I would argue that everything, everyone, all at once is like um, it's it's more of a multiverse movie actually than Doctor Strange is. And uh, with Turning Red, the point of comparison is basically the the Asian dragon mom who you know uh, rides their uh, their kid too hard and messes yep. them up. <laughs> Like that's <laughs> that's basically a very similar premise on on both films. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but uh, it, yeah, my problem. So, with, Doctor Strange is, is better. Yes, gotcha. actually, I would say like Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is one of the better MCU movies uh, mm-hmm. because um, it actually allows Sam Raimi's personality to to shine through a little bit just a little bit it's still a very corporate like marvel mm-hmm. movie like uh you know the script is basically not that good uh yeah. but the yeah the the sam raimi bits in in doctor strange i was just in awe of like i was like man yeah. they really let him do that like he yeah. he skewers a giant eyeball like stuff like that <laughs> you know it's just like that's such a sam raimi thing or like yeah. um the weird voices of of um of the these kind of souls uh, that's like straight out of Evil Dead, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, I love those little touches that that allowed it to be a Sam Raimi movie, and cool. yeah, it's just ironic because it's like now he's kind of become. I mean, he stepped in to replace uh, Scott Derrickson, who directed the first uh, Doctor Strange movie, and you know he was just like brought in as kind of like a journeyman, but you know he basically started all of these superhero movies that we have today with the first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire, you know? Yeah. So, and so with, uh, with everything and everywhere, so everything, everywhere, all at yeah. once, what, like, what did you, like, what, it, what specifically was like kind of missing? Um, I think it, they really lacked the kind of, um, uh, I want to say it's like the strength of their convictions you know they wanted to do all these impressive things uh with mm. the movie but it just they didn't have it like they didn't have like that kind of uh, what do you say like the gumption the moxie or whatever it is that like basically yeah. to pull that off um mm. so it, 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 it was just a mess like he kept on jumping between those multiverses and you know like uh i've i've seen criticisms like that where they're saying like yeah it, the multiverse narrative is is so lazy because that's just it it's like when you're you know, uh, when you're lagging on your one story, you just start another one. You know, you just move to the yeah. next thing. And then, you know, instead of like really trying to develop it in one place, you know. Right. And I was really excited about this movie. This is one of the movies I was so hyped for at the beginning of the year. And because there were a lot of movies that were coming out. Um, and yeah, again, this is me kind of, I guess, having a... um, uh, w- What's the word? Like... um kind of just a, I guess a realization that you know this is an independent film and you know it's original and then I'm rooting for the, the corporate <laughs> studio work <laughs> but at the same time yeah you know I mean hopefully they, they do make something uh, better <laughs> from right. from this and I mean you know they, they had their share of success and it has its its fans 
But uh, yeah, every yeah. every movie that I've seen so far this at the beginning of the year that was like when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, that's a nice like original movie to be coming out early on in the year. They all disappointed me. Like there was also this movie called Big uh, Gold Brick, which I mm. I I really wanted to like, but it was also very flawed. And then um, the Nick Cage movie. Uh, what is it called? And uh, which has a great title, by the way. It's like called the the unbearable weight of massive talent. Yeah, <laughs> and the trailer yeah. was really funny, but man, it was just such a safe yeah. movie. Like you know, yeah. the reason why I like Nick Cage movies is because they take risks. You know, yeah, and the movie didn't yeah. take any risks at all. So yeah, and I remember earlier in the year when we, when we watched uh. Kimmy, it yeah. kind of had that same sort sort of thing. Where it's like it, it kind of had some hopes, right? Um, yeah, yeah, I got. You. I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot of original work that's been coming out this year that are promising, but it's just they, yeah, they don't really stick to landing. I mean, but some of the ones that I that I did like, they are also original, like Triple uh, R, which basically is on uh, it's on Netflix now. But oh, good. The problem is, uh, it's in the wrong dub. <laughs> Yeah, because um, you know, with with Indian movies, they you know they tend to have it like in different dubs uh, for you know the right. different languages, um, but uh, the original language that it's in because it's South Indian is uh, Telugu, and uh, the version they have on on Netflix is the Hindi version, and there's no option to switch languages. I mean, hopefully uh, by the time this post, they've they've remedied that, um, but yeah, you have to see the Telugu version and okay, you know, cool. that's a very original movie so yeah yeah i'm 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 definitely excited about that one all right it is interesting j- just culturally that the mul- the multiverse is like it's having a moment and just like just just that in all of our minds we're, we're all starting to get wrap our heads around it it's becoming almost um i don't know like uh i don't know a more digestible idea now whereas maybe five years ago ten years ago you know, thinking like that, especially broadly, or you know, like a broad audience. Like, I think it would have been a stretch to. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's definitely like, ambitious, and I think there there's things you can do with it. But yeah, mm-hmm. I just didn't feel like uh, everything, uh, everywhere, all at once was yeah. able to pull it off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, like 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 the only like it kind of reminds me of when Lost was popping off. Right. You know, in the in the in the two thousands, and people were just so angry about the multiple timeline deal. <laughs> oh yeah 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 <laughs> right yeah i remember right. the hysteria about that too yeah the outrage <laughs> yeah oh man okay all right so my my last um uh quick cut is actually a segue into what mm. we're actually going to be discussing for the episode Ooh. So, yeah, uh, it's a show that i really enjoyed and it actually stuck the landing and i te- i texted you about it too um, mm-hmm. It's this Amazon Prime show, Reacher. Right. Yeah, Reacher. and oh man, uh, it's just such a throwback to like those '90s action shows, you know, like a uh, Walker mm-hmm. Texas Ranger, <laughs> or uh, I Classic. yeah, Martial yeah. Law with Sammo Hung. Oh man, it just brings me back. I mean, there's even aspects of it that reminds me of MacGyver, <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's like oh, okay. yeah, yeah. It it it's really a throwback to that without like being nostalgic for it. You know, it just like kind of evokes that feeling. And cool. Yeah, and what I like about it is yeah, it it doesn't um uh try too hard. Like uh the opening scene in the movie actually when we first are introduced to Reacher, he doesn't say a word. 
you know, it's like brilliant acting, like uh, the the sequence that happens. And, you know, I, I mean, you know, the movie is like a mist. Uh, the show is a mystery that kind of reveals itself mm-hmm. as it goes along. So I don't want to spoil it for people who yeah. haven't seen it. But, yeah, it's just how it progresses. It's like a really fascinating detective story and great action, obviously. And I feel like um, the actor who plays... Um, uh, Reacher, uh, Alan Richson. He's very different from uh, from Tom Cruise, which is what most people are f- familiar with the Reacher stories because you know he was in those two movies. Like yep. Jack Reacher in the books is actually described closer to Alan Richson. So he's like six foot five, like two hundred thirty, two hundred fifty pounds, like just a big dude. Damn, he's six five. Well, Dang. in in the sh- on the show, like I actually looked up how, what his realistic height is. He's actually only six two, but oh, okay. <laughs> on the show he he says he's six five. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. um, but yeah, I mean, you can just show. I mean, just the way they cast it too—that everybody else around him is just smaller than him. So it's like this, like he's like this unstoppable force, you know, and um. It, it it's a throwback to like um that type of hero that we we don't really see anymore that kind of action mm-hmm. star that's like muscular and like seemingly invincible <laughs> to everything it's like nice. you know they um they get shot or <laughs> whatever and it's nothing to them but then they wince when uh when you know the girl like tries to dress his wound <laughs> Yeah, it's that type of cliche. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, so that's so good. So yeah, if you haven't watched it, Steve, you have to see it because it's okay, such cool. a good show. And you know, it it ties into like yeah, I yeah. think Alan Richardson has now the the potential because it's a star making role, like to be our modern day Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like he can cool. definitely be that guy. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely excited to give it a shot, and the, I mean, I mean, he has big shoes to fill for for comparing to to, to Arnold. But um, yeah, should we um, should we get into it? Yeah. So you want to wrap up quick cuts? Let's do it. Quick cuts. There we go. All right. So we already hinted at it. Arnold Schwarzenegger. We're gonna be talking about Commando. Mm. And and I just gotta say um, right off the bat, I am really excited to talk about this movie. Um, I I had thought I had seen it, so like before I rewatched it, I I wrote down what I remembered about it, and basically what what I remember is incorrect. Okay. <laughs> so my my guess was he's an ex marine with jungle experience, and he has to go back to Nicaragua to stop the cartel. <laughs> And the one scene that I thought I knew, yeah. so this is the scene that I thought, okay, yeah. this is the one that is got to be in it, is he throws a knife through, and a guy sticks to a wall and he says, stick around. That's from Predator. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I had mixed up this with Predator in my oh head. Oh, my God. And it's, I think it's because of the cover. Yeah. Okay, The cover, yeah. Yeah, he's, also he's in Marine, full yeah. Marine mm-hmm. regalia. Right. Face paint. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so it wasn't until th- there is one scene in this movie that I did remember, and it's the shed scene mm-hmm. towards the end. Right. When, we'll get into when that. He st- <laughs> when he stabs a guy with a, with a pitchfork. Yeah. <laughs> so that. So I I definitely have seen it. So, but I didn't remember any of it. 
So this was a really enjoyable rewatch. I don't know, like, yeah, like, what's your, what's your, I guess, experience with this? Well, first of all, I just want to ask you before I even get into it is like, this was your pick. So what made you pick it? Um, I think, so it's continuing this theme that I'm kind of developing. So we have a couple different threads of, and like, I guess, kind of points of view for this podcast. And one of them for me in particular is, is to, rewatch movies that I haven't seen in a while that I remember liking and seeing if they hold up or, or trying to watch a movie that, that I have, you know, or try to fill my movie holes with other movies that other people have loved that they, that they recommend, whether it's a blockbuster or whether it's a really good serious film or, you know, already gotcha. And just to kind of fill those holes. And so this was a little bit of both was like, it was a movie that I thought I I had seen and forgot, um, and but then also yeah, j- just one of those. It's seemingly like a classic Arnold movie, and I've seen them all, but I, uh, I, I guess I hadn't seen, <laughs> yeah, this one, and um, and it's kind of um, a pleasant surprise that it's actually an L.A. movie. Yeah, yeah. So that ties into our Los Angeles plays itself. Yeah. series for sure i mean yeah well well i i mean there's one location that i definitely have to bring up as we get to it um yeah but yeah it, it it's also was a gap for me so this was a first time watch i'd never seen it before Ooh, um uh, for some reason like i guess uh i mixed it up with another movie as well like you did because yeah. i was thinking of suburban commando <laughs> like, oh yeah and I guess because the movie starts in the suburbs, and <laughs> that's what I got like mixed up. And totally. yeah, like I guess I had, uh, it was probably on like a streaming service, and I started to watch it, and then um, I don't know what happened that I just like had to stop, and I, I I never continued it. So it was good to like just pick it up again. And I mean, for me, like when a movie starts and it has Bill Duke in it, I'm already on board. Like his presence in any movie is just great, you know? And it's funny you mentioned Predator because that came out two years after this and they're reunited in that movie. (laughs) They're all together. Now they're on the same team. Um, But yeah, I mean, Bill Duke has like some great moments in this. Like one of them being that the, you know, when he gets in that car in the showroom, uh, close oh, yeah. to the beginning, and it, it's funny because there was another movie that I rewatched. Because I, I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you that I've I've been on kind of like a Steven Seagal kick as well. You, you <laughs> yeah, have, yeah, yeah. So I, I watched Exit Wounds recently. Um, oh, yeah. interesting. I haven't seen that one. It, it's a curious one. I think it's definitely one of the better Steven Seagal movies. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I would love to actually get Scott on the show for that one because that's one of his favorite Steven Seagal movies. Oh, perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a scene in Exit Wounds where DMX also gets into a car um, in the showroom and then drives it off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I was like, man, is that like a... A little, it's a motif. yeah, or or like a homage to to Commando, you oh. know. So um, I do wonder, yeah, like where does this movie stick in the pantheon of this kind of the this just the whole action right. genre? Yeah, because so it's so it's eight. So you know, if we're trying to set the stage, it's 1985. I think we're in the throes of you know of Arnold 
versus uh, Sylvester Sylvester Stallone. Sure. Yeah. You know, in, in terms, of, you know, I, I think at this point, and and again, uh, you know, so I'm I'm still young. Um, you know, uh, you know, I was born in '81, right. so I don't really know culturally what the actual vibe is, but I think from what from what I've heard is that there was a period where St- Stallone was the top dog. Yeah. And somewhere in this mid '80s point. There was a, a a transition. Yeah, I mean, I can I where, can I can where, probably where fill over. that gap. I mean, it was the year before yeah. because Terminator came out. That was really what put right. Arnold okay. on the map was Terminator. Okay. So this was a year after Terminator, and you know, Terminator was like a huge blockbuster. Yeah. Um. You know, it it, it basically kickstarted the everybody's career in the, who was in that movie. You know, totally. Um, so yeah, that was really it because Terminator is this transcendent film. I mean, sure, like Stallone had Rocky in the 70s, but yeah. in the 80s, you know, it was really like Terminator was the shit. Yeah, that's well, really it. Well, well, but yeah, but before Terminator, you had you had, you had all the Rambo, right? So oh, it's yeah, like, I forgot he had about some Rambo. stuff, and yeah, we've talked about he, Cobra as well. Yeah, Cobra comes out, I think, net like 86. Yeah. So it's like he so he was still trying to duke it out but I think you I think you're right Terminator followed up by Commando Running Man Predator like yeah. at, like at some point Man. it's just like the baton is <laughs> right. passed And um and so here in 85 we're kind of getting prime young hungry Arnold and he kind of like Man, he really jumps off the screen in this one. Like the haircut is just right. right. His, you know, he's he still looks young in the face. Yeah. His body is still like yeah. he's, he's, he's not he's not an old man, you know, uh, ripped. And you know, he's still like young, shredded. Right. And um, you kind of just you kind of believe it, even though it's obviously a there's there's moments in this movie that are so over the top ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And we'll you know we'll kind of get into sure. it, but. And, you know, the hard thing, just context-wise, I can't tell, you know, with the action being so over-the-top at times, is it a part of, you know, what movies were just doing? And that's kind of what studios thought the audiences wanted was something that looked like that as opposed to, say, the violence that you would see in the 90s that looked more maybe realistic. Right. Where it was, you know, like... If someone was gonna walk in and start shooting, you know, in like you know, from Reservoir Dogs to you know, Saving Private Ryan or yeah. you know, some of those kinds, where it's like it looked a lot more harrowing. Right. This was a lot more in the era um, where it's kind of still fun to see a bunch of people get shot right. up. It, it, it's and you know, obviously, this is again another area that we can t- kind of explore. Is just seeing it now in the context of the modern gaze, the modern eyes of, you know, we're now in 2022 and post pandemic and like shootings are back. And so it's just like, yeah, like, like, like living through the era of mass shooters. Oh, yeah. And then what, whereas watching a movie like this, when it's like, it's, um, it's over the top and it's kind of silly. Right. It's almost like, it almost holds up today because of how cartoonish they made it. Yeah. You know, it's like not it's not realistic. Yeah, that's the surprising thing about it is that I guess they 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 understood 
the, you know, uh, that kind of violence. Because, I mean, in movies, like, gun violence like that was never like that other than, like, Westerns. You know, like, right. something something happened in the 80s where there was just this huge boon. And I, I think, like, canon films also had a, a big part in that. A lot of, like, these mm-hmm. these new studios that were coming out were just making these, like, super low-budget action movies. And they were making a ton of money, you know? And that, that was one of the yeah. things was just body count <laughs> was a big thing about it. Body um, count. And yeah. yeah, and then you know another crazy thing, like because you're, you you pointed out this whole chronicle of of you know how movie violence like evolved from the eighties to the nineties. Mm-hmm. Like the one guy who was like consistent throughout that was like involved in most of these movies was Joel Silver. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, he produced this movie, and then you know he had like a crazy run with like this, and then the Lethal Weapon movies, and then obviously Die Hard. And um, he also produced The Matrix, the first Matrix movie. So, you know, um, that's quite a run that he had. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he also, I looked him up. Looks like he also did Predator. Oh, okay. So um, there you go. Last Boy Scout. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like Yeah, all these a, iconic quite a resume. Yeah, action movies. Um, Dang. And, yeah, so, but, uh, yeah, the, it, it, I, I never really looked into that, that whole idea of how it's evolved until you pointed that out. Like, what was the the turning point? Was it, like, the L.A. riots or something, that, like, the flashpoint in the right. 90s? I mean, the Rodney late... Rodney King or something? Yeah, yeah, I mean, the late 90s, we definitely know it was Columbine, but that was, like, the tail end, you know? That was 99, right. and, you know, that definitely changed everything. Um, but before that, like, what was, what was it? I mean, maybe even Tarantino had a hand in it because... Uh yeah, I never really got that. Yeah, on. like people uh, say, like in his early movies, that the violence is comical. I never got that. I I always thought like I mean, because he even says that like, he finds violence to be funny. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, but like for me, like actually, the violence in in those first two movies were really disturbing. You know, like I was mm-hmm. definitely uh, taken aback by it. And I guess you know, I mean, the, they've definitely lost their power to shock me now. But back then, like even yeah. just like Tim Roth just you know, bleeding throughout <laughs> all of Reservoir Dogs, yeah. you know, and, like, you yeah. really feel his pain, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, you really feel this, the sadistic attitude of my, of Michael Madsen. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And, like, it, it, like, it doesn't just feel fun and funny. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, no, this is, like, actually pretty terrifying. And then, yeah, and then through, like, Braveheart, you know, the, you know, I remember the gore in those battles mm-hmm. was different than, than watching, you know, um, Patton or, you know, some war movie where it was a lot more propaganda-y. Right. It was a lot, you know, you know, Braveheart through Thin Red Line and Saving Private Ryan, obviously. Yeah. And then, uh, obviously, into, like, the Pacific and a lot of those later war films that just got, everything just got more and more real, mm. you know? <laughs> and then... But then you, but then you know, you also had like things like the Matrix, which maybe par- partially why the Matrix worked is because it it went against the realism of Columbine, right? And some of these other things, and kind of went back to like this '80s level. Um, but yeah, it's like, but going yeah, just going back to Commando, it's um, it's really fun, and you're along for the ride, even though like none of the or like very few of the characters feel real. <laughs> right like like if that makes sense well yeah i mean one of the things that i is like my pet peeve with action movies is when they try to like 
give the characters like a backstory and there's too much heart in it and then you know i I like it when it's like purely functional like you know basically i just want to see a machine (laughs) go through a bunch of bodies and just (laughs) killing machines (laughs) that's what i want to see but i mean i i would bring up like there was even like the steven seagal movie that i saw which i enjoyed and the backstory actually had a purpose to it and you know it as long as it's done in that way where it doesn't dwell on it too much. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, man. What was it? Oh, it was called Hard to Kill. That was the Seagal movie oh, yeah. that I saw that I, I really enjoyed how it, it utilized the backstory. Um, mm-hmm. And with yeah. this one, I, I feel like, yeah, it was also the case. It didn't dwell on it too much. I mean, even though it is essential to the plot point. So, you know, it would just do a yeah. quick summary. It's not really much of a plot. But <laughs> it's basically no. like Arnie was part of these like special forces that um you know overthrew like regimes in south america and um that's why i understand your um you're mixing it up with with predator and like um yeah. the whole thing is that yeah it's funny it's like that would be the prequel to commando in a way you know um yeah yeah interesting yeah because that's that's what his crew was doing anyway they were they were um yeah uh unseating regimes and um so his his crew is getting murdered one by one, but they spare him because they're like, well, you know, you're the you're the guy, so <laughs> we want you to kill, you know, the regime you just put in, so I can become the dictator. The the main villain says, you know, who's played by Dan Hedaya with like a horrible accent. Yeah, <laughs> just I mean, Dan Hedaya is a great actor, and oh, just another weird like uh, tie into that. By the way, um, you know, the mall where Cher goes shopping in Clueless is. West West Side Pavilion, and mm-hmm. her dad yeah. in Clueless is played by Dan Hedaya, and he's great in in Clueless. Yeah. <laughs> he's really good there. Yeah. Have you seen Have you seen Alien Resurrection? I have not. No, I haven't seen. He yeah. He plays someone, and he's the choices he makes are absolutely batshit. <laughs> it's like such a bizarre but standout performance in a movie that I think is kind of a clunker. Yeah. Right. Of you know of the alien franchise, but it's so he's he, he's just a legend for that yeah. role. And I can't tell if it's like good or bad. It's like it because it's 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 like it's it's so bad it's good, but it's also so good because of how bold he's being. Right. Yeah, he's he's definitely memorable. Yeah, I mean he has one scene in Mulholland Drive and you can't forget that scene in Mulholland right. Drive, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. no longer your film. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's amazing. And like, he shouts yeah. something. I, I remember I had to rewind that scene a couple of times just to get it. Like what he shouts and it's something mm-hmm. like, help me. Like he just shouts. <laughs> yeah. It's so crazy. And it's just that one That's scene. Awesome. Um, and then, you know, he, uh, he was obviously also in, uh, the Coen brothers first movie, blood simple. And he's great in that too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's just, yeah, he's a great presence, but in this one, he's kind of like a perfunctory villain. The better villain is, uh, the one played by Vernon Wells. <laughs> Bennett. Yes. And is he okay, Australian? So, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. What was that accent? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's bizarre. Yeah. That's for sure. But like, so he definitely has a Freddie Mercury. Yeah, that's what I've heard it like, described. Uh, S&M. <laughs> ch- he's wearing like chain mail. Yeah, is yeah. His aesthetic. <laughs> like, 
Like, are they are they insinuating that he's like LGBT or maybe he, I don't know? That's is, very is it just progressive. a style choice. <laughs> no, yeah, thing. I mean, I I heard him describe that his he was um, basically playing Freddie Mercury on steroids. Like that's yeah, uh, that's what I heard. Okay, that so, makes sense. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> so you nailed it with the Freddie Mercury <laughs> look. Oh, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. He personally described yeah, I mean, it that he, way. He kind of reminds me of later MMA fighters. You would see like Dan Severn right. or um. Don Fry, like these big dudes with 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 with, with just a stash, right? <laughs> but um, but it's funny because like he's not that jacked, yeah. But we're meant to think that he's the next rival to Arnold, right? Yeah, and it, it, it's, it's it's a it's, weird it's thing too because their rivalry is like based more on just like jealousy. <laughs> like yeah. they used to be on the same team, but he's like he's envious of Arnold, so he just wants to kill him. Yeah, yeah, that it's yeah, it the motivation <laughs> for a lot of a lot of the action is a little mysterious. Right. Other other than it's just, you know, everyone just wants to kill each other right. and like Yeah, know, and I guess, I guess you know, maybe that's enough. Yeah, and just to wrap um, up the the plot summary, yeah. basically, so in order for to get him to murder um I guess the government and overthrow it uh in the this is also interesting too that they call it Valverde, which uh, yeah. is not a real place. Like um, no. Valverde is in the valley. That's it's like a little yeah. village that's near um, uh, uh, Santa Clarita. Like, and the reason why I know this is because um, James Benning, the filmmaker that I really love, he he um, he teaches at Cal Arts and he lives at Val- in Valverde. And he he oh. shoots a lot of stuff there. That's why I know that name of okay. Valverde. But okay. yeah, they were using. So it. I was gonna say okay. So 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 the actual flight from LAX to Valverde would would like be like a half hour. Yeah, it wouldn't be eleven hours. <laughs> well, here's the other thing. Okay, plot hole. So uh, they basically tell him he has like ten hour t- ten hours to save her. Uh, like if you know if he doesn't overthrow yeah. the government within ten hours, uh. He, they'll kill his daughter because they kidnap his daughter. So like, but the flight takes eleven hours, and then even just like getting from his like, because uh, he's in like a secluded like house in the hills, maybe in actually Valverde in the valley. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then you know uh, that drive to LAX would take like a couple of hours too. You know. Yeah. It's like yeah. That's, oh that's man. That's so funny. So yeah. So they kind of expect him to kind of assassinate the the president immediately right yeah yeah but they don't even give him enough time to do it but you know it's beside the point because he doesn't follow uh what they ask and that's where you know oh man okay let's let's get into the kills so (laughs) let's well yeah well okay so i definitely want to spend some time on this cold open okay all right um so it opens you have an la morning you see a trash truck is kind of coming up. Yeah. A guy wakes up in bed and the the trash truck is like it's got to be down the block cuz right. you later see him coming out to the street and the and the trash truck is still pulling up. Right. So, I'm just trying to figure out the geography here. So, he they hear the trash truck. They realize, "Hey, it's not the trash day." And instead of going back to sleep, they rally and he says no maybe or no i think the wife says maybe they they changed the day right and and so and he's got to get the trash out like i guess i you know i guess He'll, he, he won't hear he, the he, end of it from his wife if he doesn't something right yeah it's like like god forbid they miss a week 
Right. So he rushes out and the trash truck is still pulling up. And so I'm just like, like um, the, the, the trash guys aren't stopping and picking up any of the other trash. Right. Like, how are they making that much noise to, like, wake them up? I don't know. <laughs> I guess when the, the, the truck, yeah, trash trucks are just usually pretty noisy. You know, they, there's something yeah. about them. Um, and then especially if they're yeah. backing up, they make that beep, beep sound. The beep, the beep. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, obviously, you know, it's revealed that the, the driver of the trash truck, the garbage truck is uh, uh, Bill Duke. And Bill Duke, yeah. They assassinate the guy. That was actually a pretty cool death. Yeah. Like, they shot him. I think they had, like, Uzis or something. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. They shot him up. Just to shoot one guy, they filled him with at least 15 bullets um, in the middle of of a street, and they were so casual about it. Like, they didn't care about getting (laughs) caught at all. Right. I mean, yeah, the 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 second kill, which is basically Mm -hmm. the one I mentioned in the car dealership where he runs over the salesman, yeah. Like, yeah, that's in broad daylight, like, you know, outside in L.A. Like, you yeah. know, with people around. Yeah, and... like, he wasn't trying to cover his face at all. And that's nope. Bill, Bill Duke again. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so they, I guess they weren't worried about cameras or nothing. No. Yeah. And then the third death, um, so I counted it. It's like it, it all happens within four minutes. So, so you get three death scenes in, in the first four minutes, which is a pretty good right. ratio. Yeah, um, it is. It's at, it's, it's, uh, you see Vernon Wells' character, Bennett, getting onto a boat at the docks. And he kind of looks around. He kind of makes eye contact with some of the, um, the people that are tracking him. And then they blow up the boat. And that's the big right. I think at that point is when you then get to make the transition to some music and you get to Arnold. But it's yeah. just, but I don't and know. I thought as the opening goes, it's pretty good and it kind of gives you a sense of like the expanse of LA. Like you go from a, a, a neighborhood to a car dealership in the flats to the docks. Yeah. Like so, I thought right. that, that that was kind of cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it covers a lot of ground. And I mean, I think we because we're familiar with the landscape we recognize it cuz it never really tells you that it's set in LA right you know but we know what it is and like you know as it progresses like yeah there's one particular location that we'll get to that I'm sure you're very familiar oh, yeah. with oh yeah um but but, but before but yeah. we get there our next scene is an area that I am not familiar with i wonder where where did they shoot the scenes of of arnold's um kind of homestead mountain getaway cuz right. it's beautiful I mean, I'm thinking it's in the valley. Like, I am assuming it. It looks like to me like Valverde or like Thousand Oaks. You know, like just these mountainous places where a lot of rich people live actually now. Oh, okay. You know, yeah, I think Kanye lives in Thousand Oaks. So, yeah, wow. it's just like yeah, you you just have these mountains, and you know, your next closest neighbor is like miles away. So mm-hmm. it's like the perfect place if you just want to retire and be secluded Ooh, okay yeah and so yeah he he's living with his daughter who's um who's played by a very young uh Alyssa milano yeah i almost didn't recognize her yeah i actually thought you know for for that role you know for what they're asking for like she, she did pretty good i think i don't know like how early this is in her career like like was she on was she on um who's the boss yet uh, i think that was later okay yeah cool. Yeah, 
Um, and then obviously in the 90s, you know, she was in Charmed. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think she's still around. I haven't seen her in anything actually um, lately. But, uh, yeah, she, yeah, for a time, yeah, her star was really rising. Yeah. Especially um, as a child actress. Yeah. And so, I mean, right. Yeah. Uh, to I make mean, that transition. To roll shotgun in an Arnold movie in the 80s, that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty amazing. Right. And one of the things that I read about it too was that, you know, he was very protective of her mm-hmm. on the set, you know? So it was like, cool. great. You know, they really had that, that bond and you kind of see it. Yeah. And um, this kind of introduction is like one of the first, like, Arnie, um, I mean, you know, he was the king of the catchphrase, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so one of the first ones that I just, like, lost it was the, why don't they just call him Girl George? Right. <laughs> read it. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so he's a girl dad, and that's great. Mm-hmm. And um, the opening scene of him playing with playing with her, at, you know, well, 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 first the opening shot is he's carrying a huge log on his shoulder <laughs> with an axe. Oh that's just incredible. <laughs> just showing how strong he is. Yeah, showing. Like, yeah, bo- let me carry both, a log. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good information there. He's, he's strong. Right. But he's also, mm. you can, you know, he's in nature. He seems like right. he's retiring. He seems like he's finally at peace is, is right. essentially yeah. what what they're trying to establish here. Yeah. And um, and he, he seems like a great dad. He's playing with Alyssa Milano. And it, it kind of made me think, is this the first movie where we see him with a kid, like in this kind of a context where he's like, um, you know, a little more family friendly, a little more like he's, hey, he's not just a Terminator. He's not just Conan. He's not just a brute. Right. You know, like, so like, is this, is this a glimpse of what we're going to see later with like um, kindergarten cop, you know? Yeah. Or like true lies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where he's more of a a family man. Yeah, for sure. I think this was like the first one. Maybe that was part of the appeal for him. Mm-hmm. To like do this film was, you know, it wasn't just like he was an action hero that he actually had like a, a sensitive side to him yeah, too. He, yeah. He gets to play a dad, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and then I think it's somewhere along this point. Cause I made, I made a note that James Horner is doing the music. I think this is right. during the credit scene. I was really surprised to see Horner on here. Um, right. I don't really re- remember the music of this movie. <laughs> Um, it, it's not characteristic of Horner. I mean, well, because I'm more familiar with his, like, orchestral sure. scores. I mean, you know, obviously he did the Titanic score. Um, and then he also did the the Dark Knight. He collaborated with um, uh, Hans Zimmer on that, which was really interesting that <laughs> that Christopher Nolan had two composers. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, like, kind of a it, – it is of that era. It sounds like an 80s action movie yeah. score, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, but um, yeah, it's, it, uh, when it comes to Horner scores, it's not that memorable, <laughs> right? And then yeah. um, at some point, we learn that his name is John Matrix. Um, <laughs> we got uh, okay, yeah. Uh, I, I, what eth- what ethnicity is Matrix? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, is it related to like Hendrix? You know, yeah. maybe like yeah. when somehow like the the CK like uh, evolved into an X. Mm. Okay, so what would be yeah. the etymology? Would that be like, would that be like Scottish or something? 
Yeah, I would yeah. say Anglo kind okay. of. Yeah, Anglo-Saxon. Right. So so he's like yeah. Scottish, Scottish deep ancestry, <laughs> but then mixed with Austrian at some point. Yeah. Okay. All right, John right. Matrix. Interesting. Yeah, like it makes me wonder: Did they come up with the name first, or mm-hmm. was this like something they had they had to come up with at the very end? Right. It's just a I don't know. It's just a, a bizarre name. Um. Okay. So um, we then get to Alyssa Milano makes him a sandwich. I don't know if you caught this. It, it kind of struck me odd. She makes him a sandwich, and he's like, mm, "This is good. What's in it?" And she says, uh, "You don't want to know." And he just like, like kind of shrugs his shoulders. Uh, it just made me like, like, what do you think was in the sandwich? <laughs> oh man, yeah, like peanut butter and dice. Yeah, peanut butter and like <laughs> mustard. Like, ob- like obviously he he liked it, but it maybe mm. it was just a, a a mix. You wouldn't think. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Maybe dice. it had marmite. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm referring to like uh that episode of uh Mr. Show. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Good. Where yeah, the he, that's what he gets for lunch is peanut butter and dice. Like that's what <laughs> the sandwich that's like packed for him. That's brilliant. Oh man. Yeah, and I think that's the title of that episode too. It's like something and peanut butter and dice. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um cool. but yeah, I I just looked it up by the way. Matrix is a real last name. Like there's people who have that name, and it, it says that it's traced back to Britain and Ireland. Oh, see, <laughs> and okay, then so like close. Yeah, yeah. The, it's like within the family of the last name of Mattix. Mattix. Like two, okay. Two T's. Yeah. So it's a real last name. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You learned so. something. Okay. So that's right. good to know that 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 there actually could be a John Matrix. Okay. Yeah. Good. Somebody out there is named John Matrix. God, I want to be John Matrix. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Just on a related note of like somebody named John and then like, uh, you know, kind of a common last name sure. or something. Um, I had a boss in Apple and his name was John Bonham. <gasps> and I don't know if you're familiar with that name. John Bonham, the drummer, yeah? Yes, from yeah. Led Zeppelin. Yeah. And I was just like, man, you're like named right out you know their par- his parents probably knew that you know that is like we're naming you after the drummer <laughs> yeah you know your name your last name is bonham so we're gonna name you john that's amazing so yeah somewhere yeah. out there i believe like because it's more coincidental with the john yeah there's a family named matrix and they they have a john in that family well it's it definitely stands out and it's a pretty cool name yeah i must say um all right, so uh, so at some point, then I think at this point is where the commandos, or the uh, whatever the the group that's trying to uh, get to Matrix, they come in. Matrix senses that that they're there from smelling them because the wind's blowing right. towards well, them. Well, actually, which is pretty cool. you you skip the moment. Um, first, there's the the two star general who shows up, who oh, tells yeah. him what's happening. That's that right. basically, and so now it's clear to us what happened in the opening. Where it's like, oh, these were part of his team, and they're they're picking them off. So the general like basically leaves him with two. <laughs> and again, I'm laughing. <laughs> these these two men that are supposed to help him, yeah. And then they end up being completely useless when oh, the shit goes down. <laughs> absolutely. So funny. Uh, yeah, and then so um so yeah, you were saying like that there was he sensed that something was coming through um the wind. Right. Yeah, yeah. He could smell the wind shifted, and he can smell them because I guess he was he was he was, he, he positioned himself downwind, or I don't know. <laughs> I don't know exactly. Yeah, right. But, 
<laughs> you know, it definitely wasn't just an accident. It has that's you know, it's some skill that he has. Right. Um, and so he's able to kind of dodge the initial attack, and then yeah, like those two guys get killed. Um, yeah, and, 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 and one of them, it, yeah, it's just like so funny because I was just thinking the logistics of it of like he because he basically leaves the house, mm-hmm. you know, in order to um uh to I guess better position himself because he feels like he you know he's more vulnerable inside the house. So when he he tries to break into the house again. Uh, he opens the door that's like basically a door on the roof. I want to say it's on the second floor. <laughs> yeah. And when he opens it, the, the soldier falls through that door. Like he was like positioned there <laughs> right by the door. So when he opens it, he falls through. It's like, you know, how? what are the circumstances that would lead to him like ending up on that door? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Like, like um, a lot of the logistics of you know, of the training or suspect. It seems like Matrix is the only one who, like, is actually thinking. Right. Really. Yeah. And then, um, uh, okay, well, we have to bring this up, too, because this is one of the virtues of the film, I feel, that um, we kind of take for granted now is, you know, when people are getting shot up, it's like practical effects. It's blood and squibs. Squibs, baby. Yeah. Whereas now, I don't know if you've noticed this, Steve, like a lot of shootouts in movies and TV shows are all CGI now. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the practical purpose of it, because, you know, David Fincher was one of the first people to do it. And he did it well with um, with Zodiac um, is because, you know, if you do it, um, uh, what's this uh, with with actual blood effects and squibs? It takes longer to set up the scene again, you know, if you need to do another take mm-hmm. because you got to clean up all the blood and then, you know, obviously set up the squibs again. They got to change their wardrobe. Um, whereas, you know, if you just have CGI blood, it's easy. You know, yeah. you can just add it in post, you know. Um, but, yeah, I definitely appreciated the, the blood and squibs in this movie. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I do wonder if, there, if there's a squib count out there that we can, like, <laughs> find out. Okay, so um, so Arnie had to basically break into the house again, <laughs> discover this dead body, and uh, he told his daughter to basically hide um, under in her room un- under the bed. And then by the time he gets back in, she's gone. Like they've yeah. already driven away with her. And this was, oh my God, this was the first one where I completely lost it. Like, I mean, I, the the thing about this movie, Steve, is just like, I feel like I was busting a gut laughing, like Mm -hmm. that I normally would do in a comedy, but (laughs) something about this movie, I mean, even, you know, when you bring up certain details and then I just laugh because it just reminds me of that time when I watched it. I mean, I was just having a blast watching it (laughs) totally yeah and this one was the first one where it was just like man so there's a guy who you think initially he's like the head of of the um this group and he's sitting in a chair and he wants to tell john matrix why um everything's going on and before he can finish john matrix just shoots him yeah (laughs) just point blank and uh, was there a catchphrase? Do you remember? Did he say something when he shot him? This one, I'd, I'd have to go back. Yeah, I don't recall. But yeah, yeah but th- it was this a- movie is littered with catchphrases, though. <laughs> but that one was just like, bang, he's dead. Yeah, <laughs> just, love it. <laughs> mid-sentence. 
Oh man. And then and then it leads to I think one of my favorite scenes was when he gets in the truck, the blue the blue truck right. and tries to chase chase and it won't down start. Um, <laughs> his daughter and he so he goes by going straight down the hill right. like he like he's not going to go on any of the roads. Yeah, it, it's like in again in Predator it's another kind of a connection cuz in Predator there's also that truck do you remember when they first raid that uh, encampment mm-hmm. and he lifts the truck and then pushes it down the hill, and he—I think he loads like a bunch of explosives on it, and it crashes into the camp. <laughs> but this is actually like—I mean, for me, if that happened in real life, like what he pulls off is pretty impressive. So there's like a long winding road, uh, you know, I guess to leave that area where his house is, and he just goes downhill with a car that won't start, yeah. <laughs> and just like he's going on pure like neutral momentum so good yeah so good and it's but at the same time at even at this point in the movie it's you, you we, we can't be more than like 15 minutes in like like right. i was in i was ready for it <laughs> i was like it, it didn't seem out of this world you know right. the, the, the world that they're already kind of building it seemed like yeah this is what this guy would do yeah for sure <laughs> you just buy into it yeah he's a superhero basically yeah. Exactly. That's what it is, yeah. <laughs> but then, but ultimately, um, he ends up getting caught at the end of this stunt. I, I, I forget what like what exactly leads to it, but you know he he crashes into the convoy. I think he, I think mm-hmm. he takes out at least one of the cars. Right. But um, but ultimately he he gets captured. Yeah, I like that was the thing. I guess that confused me a little bit, and then I may have to like go back again because did he go downhill like without a gun? Like, uh, I just, yeah, it, it, I'm confused. Like, did he load a gun in his car as he went down or he just like went downhill without even thinking? Yeah. I'm guessing he had a gun, mm. you know, he definitely had a cache of them at the house, but, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I right. don't remember him shooting in this particular scene. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they capture him and they finally mm-hmm. explain to him what he needs to do. And then, you know, we're introduced to Dan Hedaya mm-hmm. and um, General Arius or something. Yeah. Name. What a name. <laughs> yeah. And at some point, yeah, he explains what the, what's going on and that they want Matrix to kill the president of Valverde. I guess Valverde. Is, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's because of. Hadaya's accent or the accent that he's choosing I think the president's name is like Valenzuela or you know something a little more classic but the way he right. says it he said it, the way it sounds like president Valenzuela <laughs> and it almost it's, it's like it almost yeah. sounds like Valenzuela and Swayze kind of like combined right it's pretty amazing Oh man, Hidaya, man. We could do an entire episode just on him, I think. <laughs> and all his That would uh, be really fun. Like like yeah. I could like pull some audio clips and we can like oh, yeah. and we can play a game like totally. what, like, you know, like like guessing what movie it's from. Yeah. Oh man, you. I'd totally be down. Yeah. All right. So, um well, yeah, so ultimately they they reveal that um Bennett is alive. I think in yeah. the scene, right? Then that 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 was a hoax, um, and that Bennett ultimately wants to uh, get kill, uh, or yeah, you know, he's gonna be in charge of Alyssa Milano. 
is, right. is essentially what they establish. And they kind of bring her out, and her hair is like super messed up. Right. So like in the in like the, in like the ten minutes we haven't seen her, they just like gave her like a noogie or something. <laughs> right. And yeah, and she got like a bunch of. Uh, what is it like coal stains on her face or something? Like yeah. She, yeah, she was like in some dust bowl or something. Yeah, they put her into like a barbecue or something. Yeah, yeah I gotcha. <laughs> or it's that comedic thing of like you know when something explodes, like that's what she looked like. You know, yeah, like they totally. survived the explosion. Yeah. Oh like, man. Yeah, like she was packing dynamite and not from like eighteen ninety nine <laughs> or something. Right. Yeah. And then and um, so yeah, go ahead. No, we were introduced to the crew, and I mean, the guy I want to highlight is uh, David Patrick Kelly. Um, I don't know if you're, yeah, if you're familiar with him. Have you seen him before? Um, I've, I'm not that familiar with him, but has he been in a, in a bunch of stuff? Oh, he's such a great character actor. I mean, the one he's most famous for is the Warriors, and that oh. line that he improvised where he's like, "Warriors, come that, out that's and him. play." Yep, that's him, man. Wow, what a legend. Yeah, man, and he he's been in a bunch of movies, and he's still uh, like an active actor. I just looked him up, and he recently played the the, the psychologist slash philosopher uh, Jacques Lacan in a movie. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, he's he's and still a, doing it. He's still active. Apparently, he's he was in John Wick and John Wick Two also. Oh, interesting. Would, oh man, I must have forgotten. Charlie. Him. It says hmm. he, he reprised the role of Charlie in John Wick Chapter 2. Oh, man. And, you cool. know, he was also in Twin Peaks. Like, oh, that, okay, that's cool. also where I remember yeah. him best, especially the, the scene where he and his brother who owns that uh, that lodge, like, he brings him uh, Brie baguettes, and they're basically, like, having orgasms, having a sandwich. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. It's a brilliant scene in Twin Excellent. Peaks. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, yeah. So he he's all yeah, he's also collaborated with David Lynch. Uh but yeah, great guy. And yeah, it, uh, that wasn't even intentional, you know, when I opened the episode with mm-hmm. Sully. <laughs> I yeah. I didn't even realize that that was his name too because I was just like I just find the name Sully to be really funny. And totally. like in two movies that I really love with that are comedies that have like a really funny Sully character in them or just like how it's used in dialogue. Well, the Sully, where what the fuck happened, is actually from. There's something about Mary, mm-hmm. and um, the other Sully is um, Sully. You chode like no way. The from a uh, hot rod. <laughs> oh right. Yeah. yeah, when Will Arnett finds Sully in the restaurant, and he's like, oh, "Sully, funny. you chode. I owe you a shot to the nuts." Oh yeah. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Yeah, because like the first time I, I, I think of Monsters Inc. I think there's a Sully. Oh, right. Yeah, Sully. Yeah, yeah in that too. And, and, then and, the... and, and, and then I think just culturally, everyone knows Sully Sullenberger is like mm-hmm. the other. Yeah, Tom Hanks. Recent... Yeah. But, but, but this, is, this is, to me, the, the true Sully. Yeah. This character, <laughs> um, and, you know, he has some highlights that are going to be coming up. Right. But um, he seems both mean but also very weak. And yeah. um, I don't quite get what his role is in the crew. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's it's kind yeah, of a ragtag crew. Yeah, because everybody else seems like you would believe that they're like ex-Marines or ex-military or Secret Service, ex-CIA, something like that. Like they have that kind of background. But yeah, yeah, he just doesn't belong. He he really sticks out. <laughs> yeah, he's he's supposed to he, like he's. He, I guess you're you're supposed to believe he's like 
like the quick talker or like the charmer of the group. Right. But he's actually the least charming of <laughs> of, 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 of everybody. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah. I mean, he just has that energy that like I would compare to like uh, Crispin Glover. You know, it's just like yeah. he's just weird. There's something about him he's that's just so off kilter. Yeah, he's just so off kilter. Yeah. But that's it. Like that's what he brings to um, every performance in every movie or TV show that he's in. Yeah, love it. Yeah. Um, all right, and so yeah, it's in this scene and in the next scene where we kind of get that what the main thrust of the movie is, and that yeah. is um, Arnold is is supposed to be on a on a long flight, you know, 10 right. to 11, 11, 11 hours. hours. Flight. Yeah. <laughs> and it's on this flight that, um, you know, I guess he's being babysit by two thugs. Uh, and it's, it's one thug. So one, one of them is Sully. Oh, right. Yeah. Sully basically is just seeing them off at the airport, making sure that they, they oh, leave. Right. Okay. But then he's with this guy. Um, I think his name was Jackson. Um, yeah, it was just like one name. He only had like a single. Most of them did. They were just referring to each other as one name. But right. big black guy, bigger than than Arnie. Like he was taller. And um, and yeah, this was it. Like the airplane scene. Oh my god, <laughs> that's yeah. really where I I just went over the edge. Like okay. the the double whammy of um basically <laughs> the first the 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 catchphrase the first one which is um any carry on just him <laughs> yeah so good um wait but but before before we get there like while they're in the um in the terminal i think or, or sorry i or i guess right when bennett and, and, and them are dropping them off at the airport is yeah. where we actually get um there's a scene where bennett's about to leave Mm-hmm. And Arnold runs up to the car and says, "I'll be back, Bennett." <laughs> oh man, I I missed that. I yeah, and it's kind that. of like, oh, this is the first callback to to <laughs> of course Terminator. I'll be back. Wow. And and by this time, you know, it's you know that phrase is just a full on phenomenon, right? And so they must have put that in as a reference to Terminator, man. And it's just kind of like. I don't know. It's just kind of a cool little moment for that. It's like we're aware, you know. Although we're we're making a separate movie, you know, it, it, that has its own world, we're aware that Arnold's a star, and so right. we're gonna put this little, you know, tag, you know, tagline in, um, which is kind of you know, kind of a ballsy move, I think. Right. Yeah, it's almost like there is a a Schwarzenegger or an Arnie cinematic universe <laughs> they're right. all connected yeah it's it's starting and yeah. it's like um yeah and so yeah to have it in in this very next film like in 85 is cool right and then the the other part that i thought was kind of interesting is that bennett said he's doing this only for a hundred thousand dollars like <laughs> that doesn't seem like that much right. money and even and, in the 80s and, yeah exactly like they, yeah. they they basically offered him one year's salary to right. <laughs> to like go to all this you know yeah the, I don't know. do all funny. this grunt work man but I guess no he what he says oh I remember it now the line that he says is that they offered him that money but he was like no but I I, I just said I'll do it for free yeah <laughs> because I want to kill you I want, he, he's doing it for the satisfaction God. <laughs> what a weirdo this yeah. this movie is full of very weird. Yeah. People. It's yeah. 
Yeah, awesome. I mean, I think that's really why it stands out. It's just mm -hmm. not like a straightforward action movie. There's all these like little quirks from the casting to the lines of dialogue. And who knows whether the humor was intentional or not, but it, you know, it's there. Um, and it lands. That's the amazing thing. So, yeah, he gets on the airplane with Jackson. Um, and Jackson's supposed to be like watching him. And I mean, even the part where, uh, so yeah, he says the, and just him with the carry on luggage. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not doing it justice. When you see mm -hmm. Arnie's line delivery, is just, man, it's so good. Yeah. And then, when he asked for the pillow and the blanket. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. my god. It's just even that. It's like that doesn't raise alarm bells for the guy. It's like you 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 ask for a blanket like you can hide your hands, you know, you can you know, yeah. and um and then yeah, he does this move where he basically like <laughs> slams him and then breaks his neck and then <laughs> nobody notices in the plane. Right. Classic. Yeah, and then he he tucks him in and puts the the pillow behind the his head. Him, yeah, yeah, and the hat. Oh my god! Yes, I missed that little detail. The hat, and then the the great line, the the great catchphrase there, or the one liner where uh, he he tells the flight attendant, uh, "Do me a favor, uh, please don't disturb my friend. He's dead tired." Yeah, so good, so oh, perfect. Man. Yeah, and it. And it's just um, what what this movie hit on, and it, and this might be the first movie that started this is, um, just giving Arnold these little phrases, these quick sentences, and letting his natural charm kind of win out. There's a lot of laugh lines in right. this movie. Whereas, yeah, and again, just going back to just the canon of Arnold, is this the first that's like actually leaning into his comedic uh charm you know yeah because um i mean even just the amount of dialogue that he gets in this i don't think he had that before because i right. mean i still remember his earliest movie appearance um uh where he just had like a almost just like a one scene uh role and it, it's in a great movie it's in the long goodbye by robert altman he shows up towards the end of the movie and he doesn't say a word and then obviously in Terminator, he barely says anything either other than, yeah, the line you mentioned, I'll be back, you know. Um, but yeah, he barely says anything. So this is the first movie I I feel like that he actually gets to flex yeah. a little bit and, you know, have Pretty some cool. character and say stuff and be really funny. Like, he yeah. has a comedic talent. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's um, it works. Like all those l little jokes, things that they added in, it's it really yeah. works, and it only can kind of work from him, because he has the charm and the um and and you also kind of believe that he can break someone's neck <laughs> quickly, <laughs> yeah. you know. So yeah, really cool. And yeah. and then yeah, I think you were kind of alluding to it. This whole plane scene is pretty amazing. It's almost like Jackie Chan level stunts, um, right. in terms of like scope. Like I don't know how much. Arnold actually did of some of these stunts. Right. At some at, at, at one point, his character is like hanging off of the the wheel of the yeah. airplane. It's an incredible stunt. Yeah. <laughs> it's just and then the thing was his his um his choice to like when to drop off. Like yeah, <laughs> he waited for the plane to actually begin to ascend 
before instead of him just like you know it's an action movie so you'd think oh he can just jump off and then roll like do a little right. barrel roll and then he'll be fine you know <laughs> like barely a yeah. scratch but he waited for the the plane to basically fly over like a little marsh and then right <laughs> and then jump that off that was yeah. kind of cool because like i was getting antsy and worried in the moment like right. why isn't he jumping and then when once you kind of see the marsh it's like oh okay i got gotcha. you yeah he waited but then yeah he, but he must have the plane must have must be going God, a couple hundred miles an hour at that point. Oh, like, how, yeah. like, 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 how fast? You know, right. how fast does a plane go? Like five hundred initially miles? taken yeah. off. Yeah, it has to go really fast to be able to, yeah. to lift off. So, so, uh, yeah. But, but, but once yeah, again, that's it's, an it's incredible like, stunt. Yeah, you know, um, hey, I'm in. At at that point, you know, I'm in. And uh, he's already killed a number of guys. He, he's already killed Jackson, like you were saying, on the plane. Yeah. Sully's still in the airport terminal, doesn't know about it. Yeah, he he waits for the plane to take off and, or at least, like, um, begin to, like, um, uh, like leave the runway. Mm-hmm. And then he's, like, satisfied. So he, he, he gets out. And then we're introduced to a new character. That's right. We we're introduced to Cindy. Yes. Um, played by I think this was an actress that had a pretty good run, and she might mm-hmm. even still be acting. Um, Ray Don Chong. Yep. Is that right? Who's uh, Tommy Chong's uh, daughter? Is that right? Yeah. Okay. And she's so cute in this. Yeah. Very very cute. Very charming. Yeah. Um, another character who it's like I don't know her motivation. I don't understand the choices <laughs> she's yeah, making. Yeah, we'll we'll get to those. Uh, we'll get there. Yeah, the, to those points because it's just like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So Sully is starts to basically set, harass her. You know. Yeah. So in f- from from the nineteen eighties perspective, I do wonder what was that. You know, like it was. Is it was what he was portrayed as doing, just kind of flirting and kind of being aggressive or a jerk? Yeah. Because definitely through twenty twenty two lens, it's like, oh, this is like this is way over the right. line. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, he's like very insistent, and he follows her yeah. to the parking lot <laughs> to her car. Her. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and. W- well, remind me, Steve, what happens? Like, how does she, like, kind of fend him off? He says something like, uh, I, I have something I want to show you. Or, you know, something okay. very, like, like gross way of hitting on somebody. Oh, God. <laughs> and she says something like, I'd rather not know. Uh, she might have even said, like, I have a boyfriend or something like that. All right. And he, and he quickly, like, looks disgusted and, and he calls her a whore. Oh yes, that's right. And yeah, the delivery that, that David yeah. Patrick—it's a spicy delivery. Like it's a spicy. Re- it's kind of like <laughs> whore. Something yeah, like that. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the, yeah, that same kind of uh, like I was mentioning. Um, like I think that's the same way. Uh, like Christian. Um, uh, I'm blanking now. It's Crispin Glover. Yeah. Uh, would deliver it. I feel. <laughs> Yeah, it's very yeah. it's very incel kind of vibe. Right. Is, yeah. For is sure. is kind of how you can frame it now. Mm-hmm. It is you know that um, you know wants you know, is like dressed up, doing all the things that you would think you would need to do to get the girl, gets rejected, and then immediately like castigates her. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. 
Yeah, but, nice um, guy. Nice guy vibes. That's what they also call yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the nice totally. guy. Yeah. But um, so Cindy kind of, if we're looking at this through like a realistic lens, this is a traumatic experience. Right. She just got like followed into the parking lot, harassed. This guy is like got really close to her car. Now yeah. calls her a whore. Finally is leaving. And so this is her first opportunity to like exhale. Right. And then Arnold pops up and like <laughs> grabs her and tells her to get in into her car. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I mean the the key detail there is he rips out the passenger seat <laughs> of the car like barehanded. <laughs> and like to what purpose? Like I was just trying to think. It's so he can get lower, so he can't I, be it's seen. So he could sit a little like two inches lower. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. that seat makes all the difference. Yeah. Why not just like um, even recline the seat and just lie back? <laughs> I wonder yeah. if they like shot that scene a couple times. Mm-hmm. And and who's like, I want to think, okay, in like a perfect world, after like take three, it's Arnold's idea. Hey, what if I rip the seat out to sit lower? And the director at this point is just like, you know what? This this movie's bonkers. Yeah, let's do it. And like that ends up being what you know what makes it in. Right. And so they follow uh, David Patrick Kelly to the location that I'm sure you're really familiar with. That I was teasing earlier on mm-hmm. to Sherman Oaks Galleria. Lo- yeah, I was really excited to see them at at at, at the Galleria. This is uh, a mall that's near and dear to my heart. Um, I actually like. Um, I saw Jennifer Love Hewitt in this mall. Wow! And I, I, I had a similar Sully moment with my with my friend Trent. So like we were like maybe like eighteen, and we're walking in the mall and we see her, and we're so nervous. So so this is like, so this has got to be like ninety. All this might also be in that magical like ninety eight. Yeah. Like t- like. Yeah, so she had already done. Um, I already know what you did last summer. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. she's a star at this point, and yeah. she's also just like, you know, a heartthrob. Uh, sure, you know she still in, is. In I mean, of, she's yeah. like doing that show. What is it? Res or nine one one? She's on yeah. that show. Yeah, yeah. And I remember we like followed her through a department oh store, kind of like Sully. Yeah, and she eventually walked into the main part of the mall, and so I I got up the courage to like say, I think I said like, excuse me, Miss Hewitt, I think is what I said. <laughs> wow. She turned around, and we like just kind of fanboyed out on her, and she was so nice, and oh, she nice. like autographed our shirts. Like somehow mm. we we had like we got a pen, and she like autographed our, our like our shirts and stuff. <laughs> Do you still have so that, that was shirt? Cool. So, um, I eventually, no, I, I think I, I definitely kept it in like a, in like a safe for wow. like, <laughs> for like a, a couple of years. But I think at this point it's gone because it, okay. it was just like a white tee. Sure. It eventually just kind of fell apart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Gotcha. But, um, but yeah, <laughs> wow. so that's my what a best co- sort of galleria memory. So, but yeah, it's, it's definitely cool to, to see it all. It looked really good in the eighties. Yeah. I, I mean, it's changed a lot. Uh, I, I mean, even from like th- that was the other kind of I guess piece of trivia that I I found out was that, you know, in Terminator Two, that's also the same mall where he finds John Connor, 
at mm-hmm. uh, is it, and it looks totally different and that's uh, what like seven years within seven years like they yeah. they renovate it and now it looks completely different again yeah yeah, yeah it's and it's, I, it's way different. Yeah, I feel like this was something that they added specifically for the movie because it involves like a stunt relating to it. Like these beautiful, like kind of balloons, like really long, yeah. like tubes. Totally. <laughs> the, yeah, and yeah. it's so eighties. And yeah. I don't know. Did you know that the um, that bar that like Sully walks into in in the movie is that still was that still around when I, you were going to I that cannot imagine there being a fine dining nightclub <laughs> like that like that looked like that looked like it was really popping off right and i think it's supposed to be like still like the afternoon exactly yeah it's still in the middle of the day yeah and there's like this like yeah essentially like a nightclub in the middle of the galleria <laughs> um which was amazing right. to see yeah and um yeah, and so yeah, what else? Oh, um one other thing before we get to the Galleria section set piece. Yeah. There Cindy kind of has a funny line when um when uh Arnold kind of abducts her in the car. She says something like instead of like asking like who are you? Please don't kill me or, or uh, yeah. whatever. <laughs> she says I need to be at a 7:30 karate class. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, and I mean karate was big in the valley at that time. I mean, totally. you know, Karate Kid for sure. <laughs> what, what, was it was just the year before? Was right, Karate yeah, Kid eighty four. Yeah, yeah, Karate yeah. Kid was eighty four. So yeah, yeah so a, a lot of a lot of good cultural eighties references at this point, which right. is really cool to kind of see um, that they're kind of drawing from a bunch. And um, sure. and then yeah, and then on the car ride to the Galleria. You kind of get a little more info, but essentially she's just along for the ride. Right. And it's unclear. She doesn't seem that scared. Right. Um, she just kind of trusts Arnold and, and, um, yeah, it's, it's a little bizarre, but, um, I think she was just, they make it. Yeah. She was in shock from her passenger seat, just being torn. Uh, yeah. barehanded <laughs> torn yeah. out <laughs> this bare yeah. hands. I, I guess yeah. you, I guess you would just kind of go along with with whatever's happening. Right. Um, <laughs> um, but I mean it, it they really push it because it's like uh, once she kind of understands why he wants to follow um mm-hmm. Sully, it's like she's he needs her to do something which is basically like seduce him and lure him out of this uh this bar. Yeah. Um, big ask yeah <laughs> and uh but, and she doesn't quite follow those instructions because uh, that's right yeah, yeah she, she um she 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 talks to some security guards right who is it is he off duty what is he doing like at the bar like I yeah either. <laughs> yeah but this is a but it leads to a really great scene of uh, arnold fighting off the security guards oh my god <laughs> so and good. it's um you know it's and and it's the I don't know. It's 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 like a classic kind of Arnold set piece where he's against a bunch of people and everyone in the environment he's in thinks he's the bad guy. Right. But we're the viewer, we have the added information of knowing that he's actually the good guy. Right. And so it creates this fun, I don't know, as a just from the viewing perspective. It's like a fun, I don't know, it's just a fun set piece that you see in a lot of movies. But it's fun to have Arnold in it, where it's like you feel 
like, okay, our guy is going to get beat up and wrongly accused and all these things, but he's going to be okay. Right. You know? Yeah, and I mean, it's that, that classic thing, too, of being completely outnumbered but still overpowering the group. <laughs> yeah, at some point, he, like, does he pick up a, a phone booth or something? Like, oh, yeah, something yes, he, very yeah, he, heavy. He, he definitely does that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, for sure. And then, uh, I mean, yeah, there there's more blood and squibs in this scene, too. A lot of oh, people yeah. get shot. Um, I think he gets shot, too, right? Like, uh, or does he get grazed? Yeah, he gets some kind of injury at this yeah, point. Yeah, right. I forget exactly. Right. And then um and then yeah, there's that that big stunt involving those kind of inflatable uh colored uh tubes. Uh that's great, yeah. you know, cuz he's trying to chase the the elevator. Yeah. Yeah, that was brilliant. Yeah, there's yeah, again, just you know, the swinging on the balloon stunt. Yeah. And then the the airplane stunt. Are just like two top like top level stunts, and so it's nice to see those in in a movie. Right, you get two in the first like thirty five minutes or so here, maybe forty. It's yeah. good. Yeah, it's brilliant. And yeah. so this leads into a uh, car chase. Oh yeah, yeah. Here we go. Yeah, <laughs> Sully. Yeah, they chase Sully, who's driving a a yellow Porsche. And uh, they're also in a red convertible. And I, I noticed that little detail that it's like every car they manage to get is always a convertible in this movie. <laughs> and yeah, uh, it's, just, it's just fun to see Arnold in a convertible. I think. <laughs> it totally works. Yeah, he had a convertible in them, uh, Last Action Hero as well. Mm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And um, so it, I think it, it twins. I feel like I've seen I've seen a shot of him in twins in a convertible mm. too. Oh, okay. Mm. Talking about movies where I don't know whether I've seen it or not, and maybe I will if I yeah. I remember or I like watch a little bit. Twins, I don't yeah. remember. Like I confuse it with yeah. Junior for some reason. So... Yeah, it ha- they have a similar like color palette. Yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. The, maybe I'm I need to fill that uh, that Arnie that whole again. Uh, yeah <laughs> and watch twins um yeah. but yeah so it, it uh, where do they race through is it like um Mulholland Drive or something but it's uh, these windy roads yeah maybe in the Hollywood almost, Hills yeah it looks like similar like almost like to like Griffith Observatory or something right. like yeah it's like those it's like the similar roads that you might see James Dean mm-hmm. ride through or something right you know it's like very classic tunnels and the whole deal right and yeah i i thought the the, the car chase was really well done mm-hmm. um and yeah it culminates with uh him crashing <laughs> uh her, her, to a pole at yeah. like 30 miles an hour <laughs> and then the, the you know just i guess the whole like incredulous part of it is that she was more like you know um kind of uh upset about the 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 passenger seat being torn out than him totaling the car. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like they crash and he immediately checks on her right. and they're fine. Like it's just um, anyone who's ever been in a car crash just knows how much that really can fuck you up. Right. And so it's just, it's just, <laughs> yeah. It's so it's just so funny how they can just gloss right. past it. It's no passenger amazing. seat, no seat belt. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> she doesn't, fl- you know, like the that crash doesn't send her flying <laughs> into the totally. air. Totally, 
And then, oh, we forgot because th- there's a callback to a line. We forgot to mention it early on. Mm. And it's one of the best lines in the movie where he, he basically tells Sully, you know what, Sully? I'm going to kill you last. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> You're such a funny guy. Yeah. I'm going to kill you <laughs> yeah, last. Yeah, that's and it. Like, but it's also like if Sully didn't actually ever say anything funny. <laughs> No, he's just it's a funny just, guy. Like he's a f- weird guy. Like that's <laughs> he's just weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's a callback to that line because he basically dangles Sully <laughs> off of the cliff with one hand, and he even yeah, says one, like one hand holding him. his left hand. We have to note that because he says that's his weaker hand. <laughs> oh, cool. And then he's like, you know what, Sully? You remember when I said that I would kill you last? I lied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it just drops. Off. Oh my god! You know what's funny? I think I don't know if I can find it right now, but I, I, on IMDb they have a lot of good trivia. Yes, on this film, and like I urge, it's like it's honestly like pages and pages of trivia. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I thought I read is that um, in shooting this scene. The director asked Arnold if he could hold Sully without like a crane, you know, like just like, you know, without any help. Right. And like, and Arnold was essentially like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> <laughs> like the director for a second, like oh, thought man. he actually could. You know? Yeah. Because of his strength. It's like, man, yeah, so, oh, yeah. wow. But yeah, we would have lost the gift in David Patrick Kelly. And then he would have so never funny. been in Twin Peaks. So funny. Oh, man. But yeah, great character death. I mean, I, I even though I, I was sad to see him go, like yeah. uh, Sully was a great character. Mm. Yeah, great moment though. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So after the Sully death, is that when we get to the uh, like the motel? Right, and they they okay. take Sully's car by the way, and the uh, Arnold has another right. one liner where he's like, "Well, now we got a new one." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and 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 he has to like flip the car oh, over. Yes. He does the superhero thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he flips the car. Oh man. Um. You know, I I I think I mentioned this previously to you that I watched like car accident videos on YouTube, mm-hmm. and sure. that that is one of the things that people believe. Like, if a car is like on its side or upside down, they still think that it can be flipped over, and it's like, no, that only happens in the movies. Yeah. Yeah, like I think there was one video where I saw where um the guy even told the person who was trying to push their car it's like you're not going to Avengers that shit. <laughs> like wow. that's what he told him. Totally. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, he flips it over and he's like, "Now we got a new one." <laughs> yeah, he makes it look easy too. It's so fun. <laughs> yeah. Um All right. And yeah, so they end up at the motel. Motel. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, and And this is this has some this is a scene that has some pretty funny moments, right? Um, at some okay, so at some point in the last five to ten minutes of the movie, Cindy is now in. Right, she's no longer trying to like get out of things and like six security guards. She deci- she decides to start helping Matrix. Is that right? Yeah, um, yeah. I I think it it was because um uh. He he told a little bit of his backstory and he he told about his daughter and I think that that spoke to her. her over. Yeah, that she she related to that. So it was like, mm. okay, I'm I'm in. But it it's still like you know at that point, um, she could have 
left. <laughs> yeah, sure. she didn't have to stay. And that's also just like weird that they're going to this motel. And, you know, talking about trivia, I heard that there was initially like they tried to do a, a scene that was like a love scene between them, but apparently it didn't work. Right. Um, yeah. So uh, they just didn't use that scene in the movie. Definitely um, smart. Yeah. Smart to cut it. Right. Because uh, um, what ends up happening is that, uh, well, the reason why they end up in the motel, too, is that Arnie is able to figure out uh, from, like, I think, is it the key or something uh, that uh, Sully has that that's where the the rendezvous was that they were supposed to meet yeah. in the motel. Yeah, from the key. Um, yeah, and so they, they end up there. And then, uh, yeah, my favorite guy, Bill Duke, shows up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, apparently his character name was Cook, yeah. which is interesting. So yeah, Cook shows up, and um, I think Cindy first tries to like sweet talk him a little bit. And yeah, convince and Arnie that, does yeah. this thing with her where he actually like rips her blouse open, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because he wants to make it look like that she, uh, yeah, that she like basically hooked up with um with Sully. Sully. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to kind of so bide funny. the time, uh, yeah, with uh, um, Cook. Yeah, and then but I but I think Cook kind of sniffs it out pretty right. quick. Yeah, and they end up in a fight. <laughs> um, and this is a pretty good fight. Yeah, it was um, a lot of brute and, strength, and it leads to like a wall being broken, and <laughs> the most gratuitous part in the movie. Oh right, some nudity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like they That's break into good. the other room, and there's a couple both naked. <laughs> now, at some point. Is it in this scene or the next scene when – no, I think it's in this scene when they're fighting. Cindy says some line like, these guys have had too much red meat. <laughs> yeah, she does. Oh, yeah, and the, the piece of trivia too, like they shot all of um, Radon Chong's like reactions to the fight separately. So she wasn't okay. even there when they were doing the That's fight. So, so she must have like ad-libbed that or something. Something. Yeah. That yeah, it's a that's one of those it's where and again it's it's just like a cultural touchstone because I think at that point in the like red meat was a bit was like having like um was going through a, a period of of low PR right. I think everyone was was trying to cut down on low meat this mm-hmm. is also pro- probably the era of like um, juicing like slim fast and shit like that yeah, yeah. And, and yeah like low fat. Mm-hmm. Um, Try, you know, fat was bad. Right, eggs are bad. You know, <laughs> yeah, cheese, <laughs> all these dairy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah apparently, so uh, them. So yeah, I guess them fighting and being angry was because of uh, too much red meat. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, um, so how does he kill um, Bill Duke? Remind me, how does he kill? Yeah, Coke? this is confusing to me. I think. In the fight, he ends up like falling on something sharp. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Like he pushes now, him. He pushes him into something, and, yeah. and I, and I think it was. I think it's somewhat gross. I kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm blanking on exactly w- what it was. I think but it was it like was... part of the partition. You know how like there was this wooden partition that basically was like these yeah. squares, and they break through it in the fight. Mm-hmm. And I guess yeah. there was a splinter there, and. Yeah, Arnie just threw him yeah. on there. It is interesting, though, that scene where they break through the wall and there's a couple having sex. Yeah. Like, the guy's head was, like, under the sheets, <laughs> but the girl was, like, above the sheets. Right. It was, like, very odd to kind of, like, try to guess <laughs> what they were doing other than just, like, 
really elaborate like role play right for you know like yeah yeah very goofy foreplay yeah yeah <laughs> um all right so we're through that and then i think they end up getting into bill duke's car at this point yeah which a is lot also of sw- switching also a convertible and it's like yeah. a classic like it's one of those cars that's like super long with like the the totally. tails in the back you know mm-hmm. it's a nice car yeah and so I think this is where they end up going to the supply store. Yes. Okay. So this is a so this is a big scene. Um, I'm curious. Like, are there like are there these kinds of supply stores that just oh, yeah. would have rocket launchers <laughs> and like <laughs> no, no, they... <laughs> bazookas? Well, um, what was the... there was another movie I saw where like it, he also goes to like a kind of a supply store and then he realizes that he has a cash. I'm blanking now what movie that was, but it turns out that mm. the guy was also like racist. So this main character oh. like um kills him, <laughs> you know, and then also yeah. secures the cash. But yeah, I'm interested. Yeah, these supply stores definitely exist, but um, yeah. In terms of uh, the weapons cache in the back, uh, that I don't know. But that I, was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, uh, just a call back to also a Reacher. Uh, there's also a scene where he goes to a supply store. He doesn't break in, but, you know, yeah. um, he also, like, buys some stuff. And, I mean, you can definitely get a survival knife. That's one thing that you can buy right. from those stores. Yeah. I do. I do like these kinds of scenes in general where, like, people are loading up. Mm-hmm. Like, um... I remember the movie Phantasm had a really good scene where the characters are in preparing for the final fight with the the horror boss. They go to like a supply store and they're getting all you know getting all kinds of things and I think they're duct taping shotguns. Oh together yeah, I love, and, I love moments like that. They're sawing off the the, the yeah. edge. Yeah, like I haven't seen Phantasm, but yeah, those those kind of montages also get to me. Yeah, yeah, just low, just 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 getting ready. Yeah, and this has just a classic one, and mm-hmm. it feels good like to see Ar- Ar- to see Arnold doing it. It's because you you feel like okay, he knows what he's gathering. Right. Um, he ends up giving I think Cindy a lot of the stuff. Yeah, they're loading it in the back of the car of the convertible. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. So does does she get away? So she must get away from the cops because ultimately the cops come right. and arrest Arnold. Oh, and, yeah. and I guess we you know we kind of glossed over that the way they get in. He he, he like drives a bulldozer <laughs> like straight through the wind straight through the right. doors. Yeah, yeah. And the windows. Yeah, that's how he breaks, and that's also how he gets caught because that sets, yeah, trips the, the alarm. Alarms. Yeah. And then the cops show up now, if you're no, so he's, he's John matrix. He's like top, top tier special ops. This has got to be a writing mishap mm-hmm. to like, not have him be able to just like easily break in and like, right. Not set a, set off like an alarm. But yeah, um, I think, you know, you know, to see Arnold on a, on any kind of off-road equipment is pretty cool. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you know, it sets up uh, another great set piece, almost like a car chase where basically uh, uh, Cindy follows the the truck with this like huge like arsenal in the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she like, yeah, I guess Arnie explains to her too when he's like uh, loading up that, yeah, that because she doesn't know what it is. He's mm-hmm. and he's like, that's a rocket launcher. 
<laughs> then, yeah. Uh and then this is just like classic 80s type of deal like um of course you know there it, it's happening at night like the the streets are completely wet which like for practical nope. yeah. Yeah, practical purposes, you know, it never rains in LA, but you always have these like wet streets at night. Wet streets. And I mean the the reason why they do that is they actually have like crew members like PAs and stuff like splash buckets of water onto the street mm. because it makes mm. um the light like reflect better so you right. see more okay um at night yeah yeah that's the purpose yeah. of it but you know it's just like it's a staple like every time i see it now i can't get that out of my head when i see it totally. in a movie or a tv show because you know you never see wet streets in la um well and you also like rarely see empty streets oh like yeah it's like yeah they're going like, down like, a boulevard like, there's somewhere. nobody out yeah exactly <laughs> no yeah, cars like like yeah, it could be like Olympic or something. Right. Like it looks like you know, like just a main thoroughfare. Right. Um, and um, and so I think Cindy fires one rocket. It goes behind her. <laughs> like, yes. does the first one go behind her? Yeah, yeah. She she because yeah. She, yeah, she doesn't know which way is the front. Which way to, yeah. And then yeah, yeah, she fires it backwards, and then there's this comical explosion, and then she figures it out, and then she hits yeah. the truck, and then. <laughs> I mean, she aims it like right at the back of the truck where John Matrix is. Yeah, <laughs> he comes out completely unscathed. He's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this is where it's like it's it's almost like into Fast and the Furious territory right. in terms of like you know being able to like shoot a rocket into a car, kill the people you want it to kill, but not the, <laughs> but not your star. Right. You know what I mean, and then that, and then, yeah, of course that, that line, she gets a one liner too, you know, when he asked her like, how, how did you do that? Then she, she's like, I, I read the instruction manual. Totally. Yeah. That was so good. That, that, that one was, was really surprising. Yeah. I like that one a lot. Um, so yeah, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, possible commentary on you know they they were very cavalier um having no issues really in attacking the police right um and you know that's a theme that you that you're gonna see carried throughout you know the culture you know in in terms of you know from from gangster rap right into the rodney king stuff well, even so like Terminator, like yeah, the famous scene yeah, in Terminator, Terminator where he says, "I'll be back." That's like him, like basically doing a massacre in a police yeah, station. He shoots up all, all the cops, yeah. yeah. And so it's just like it's just like, yeah. There's a little motif there where it's, you know, I, again, I don't know if it's like huge in the culture to be to be fine with, uh you know you know the attacks on, on on the police but i think in these movies it, it comes off well like like it doesn't come off right well, too political or, or it, anything it also I mean. implies that they were kind of skeezy because you know they see cindy right. and then you know the cop makes like some sort of comment and, you oh, know right. yeah, yeah yeah so it's like oh you know they kind of deserved it <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. um all right so i think I think once we get through this part and they have all their gear before they go to the island, I think they have to break into the warehouse and get some more clues, right? Oh, I, I've completely blanked on this part. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, and we don't have to spend a lot of time in it. Mm -hmm. I think they, they just go to a, a warehouse near the docks. Yeah. They, and, and it's somehow in snooping around here that they figure out that there's, 
an island. Okay. And they have to get to an island um, via plane. Oh, yeah. And then and, she makes that comment about, like, the... Because she's a... Yeah, we didn't even mention that, that she's a flight attendant. That's why she was at LAX. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and does she have flight... Uh, I think uh, she was like, like, is she in training or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she's like learning how to fly. Yeah. Uh, but uh, she's never uh learned to fly a, uh, what is it, a boat plane, <laughs> a <Right>. plane, <laughs> and she, she yeah. makes that comment too about it that it's like, oh, it's, it's not a plane, it's like a boat with wings or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, and so these scenes are a little more like. You know, a little more forgettable. Like at this at this point in the movie, you just want to get to the island. Um, right. and so I think they get to the plane first, and they there's a shootout at the dock. Um, and there's some you know kind of funny stuff where Arnold is frustrated with her. Um, in terms of like she's like trying to like start it, and yeah. he ends up having to like bang on a bunch of things, and then <laughs> then it works. I yeah. think. <laughs> Um, and then in this, I think somewhere in this scene is where you see Bill Paxton. Oh yeah. He's, he works for the, uh, the FAA or something like that. Yeah. yeah. He's like calling in all, all the flights. And, right. Um, and I guess, uh, you know, I, we see more of the, the LA landscape too, that apparently there's a no fly zone in, in LA. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. they call it like area 52 or something like that. I can't remember for 51. Right. I don't yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then they get the idea that, okay, if we fly low enough below the radar, right. then then they won't track us. And then Bill Paxton has the line, uh, I think uh, he, I think he essentially just says, uh, we lost them, sir. <laughs> like yeah, that. and it's like a radar that just has a blip. <laughs> That's all it is. Love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, by the way. Like I, 1950s, yeah. Yeah, that line that the Matrix says, you know, when the plane won't start, he's like, come on, you piece of shit. Fly or die. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. So and then good. It's like he bangs on it, and then it starts up, and then he's like, "Works every time." <laughs> yeah. AC Slater style, like like yeah. like like the way that AC Slater can just like bang on, on a locker, right, <laughs> and open it. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Oh man. Um. All right. So I think at this point, this is when we're at the um the compound. Yeah, the compound, and first, but before we get to the compound, Arnold has to strip down to into a speedo. Oh yeah, um, for the ladies, here you go. For, for the approach, <laughs> yeah. which is still baffling to me why he had to do that. Right, like why not just gear up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, obviously, obviously, um, I think I think it, it's just for that shot where Cindy is like looking at him and she's kind of giving him a, a little bit of an eye, right. Know? Um, but yeah, here we are. Like I, I noted it, it, it was an hour, nine minutes and he's finally in the full commando kind of regalia. Right. So it's kind of interesting. The movie, you know, the, the poster is him in that stuff. You know, he's got the vest on the poster. Um, you know, the he's got a bunch of, face he's, paint. he's got a grenade on his, you know, chest, which I think is like not the right way to have a grenade i think like the pin is clipped okay <laughs> i didn't and even i think that's that. actually really dangerous okay you know oh wow um 
And so it's interesting that like he's not actually in that gear until a minute nine. The first hour plus of the movie right. is him just in L.A. just bopping around yeah, in and civilian clothes in in uh, convertibles. Right. And yeah, it's like a very tight shirt and then uh, like khakis. And that's actually uh, what the Alan Richardson is mostly wearing in um, in Reacher too. That's why there's that mm. other connection. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, so he gets he, he essentially gets to to the beach, and I think the other kind of plot point is while this is happening, I think the eleven hours is is counting down. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing the airplane land in Valverde. You're seeing like the goons on that on that side waiting for um, Jackson and uh, Matrix to come off. And they eventually learn that um, Matrix isn't on. They see, I think, the dead body of Jackson, mm-hmm. and, and they call Don, Dan Hedaya. Right. And and so it all this is kind of happening while Matrix is sneaking in and starting to massacre every security guard <laughs> on this island. Yeah, I mean, the majority of the body count of this movie happens in this, like, almost 30-minute sequence. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and and it's 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 this sequence that I had the most re- memory recall, where I was like, oh yeah, 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 because it also kind of looks like Scarface at times. Yeah, because it's a um, compound. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's in and reverse because he's the one who's attacking the compound instead of him being yeah. under attack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and Dan Hedaya is like yeah the Al Pacino yeah. character. <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just classic where you know he's just going from gun to gun, unloading, essentially having a very high uh, hit efficiency. Yes, and everyone else is terrible. Yes, uh, um, he's blowing shit up. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, um, yeah, he he sets a bunch of charges in all the buildings. Right. I, th- I think I think you see him plant like four. Mm-hmm. But by the, by the time he actually hits the detonate button, it like he he blows up like half the island. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's pretty amazing. Um, and eventually, you know, it's a long scene. So so you know he's kind of working his way closer to his daughter and to Dan Hedaya. And at the same time, his daughter I think is like trying to escape. And Bennett is kind of chasing her through like some kind of underground tunnel network right it yeah. kind of like it looked like um but before we get there we got to talk about the shed scene. oh my god so yeah this is <laughs> yeah it's a key this scene. is classic yeah. like this is i th- like dare i say this is iconic yes um yeah um yeah what do you remember about the shed scene oh man the gore <laughs> like it, oh, it, yeah. it's really it almost seems like it's more from a from a horror film, <laughs> you know, yeah. than a, than an action movie because he basically makes use of every um, every tool. tool. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> like a saw blade, um, a rake. What else did he use? Yeah, yeah, he he, he used yeah, like a pitchfork. <laughs> he maybe used a machete, right? Um, or like or, or like a sho- was there a shovel? I I forget if it was um, a shovel. I don't recall a shovel. Yeah. yeah, but um, but yeah, yeah. That's a good point. We're kind of correlating it to a horror movie because it does kind of feel like 
a slasher right. a little bit. Um, and we're in the middle of slasher fever, um, you know, from Halloween. I think at this point, by 85, we're... Yeah, Friday the 13th. Uh, I think yeah. Friday the, we're at least at Friday the 13th Part 5, if not 6. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, you're... Definitely not Nightmare on Elm Street was already out. Yeah, yeah, that came out the year before. So so seeing something like this where, where just people are just getting pierced and gouged. And, <laughs> and, yeah, and um, now does he have a, a a classic Arnold catchphrase in this scene? I'm trying to remember if there was oh, like a... Oh, man. Cause I, 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 so I mistakenly thought Stick Around was in this scene. Yeah, right. But... Um, it would make sense. I mean, you know, or like... Oh no no! Actually, there was a phrase, but um, I think they they cut it out. Like um, uh, it was you know the the you remember like the guy gets his arm cut off, and apparently like he says um, need a hand. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah, but it's That's not in it. the movie. Um, because I think um, yeah, I I don't remember what the reason was why it was cut. Um, I, I don't even remember if I came across it in in trivia, but it, it was like I I think they they initially had it, but then they they didn't shoot it or something like that. So it wasn't even like it, they had shot the scene. Um, it just ended up like not being used for some reason. Maybe they wow. thought that that would been too much. <laughs> wow, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think you know. If we spent time reading the trivia, there, there's to be a lot of stuff on right on the uh, shed. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, I think he like swing. Does he swing an axe into a soldier's balls? Oh yeah, like, yeah. He like rips it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like a, a, a an upward swing, and then he pulls up. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh man. Yeah, because I think I think in Running Man too, there's like a there's like a chainsaw. T- to to the groin. Oh man! So there's a yeah, there's some good gore in a, in a in an Arnie movie. Yeah. In, in the eighties, that's for, for sure. sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So once we make it through the shed, we end up, I think, at the Dan. Is it the Dan Hadaya scene where? Um, yeah. I, I kind of forget how how he kills him. Um, doesn't he like? Uh, he shoots him through the window on the second floor or something, oh, and then he yeah. falls through. I, I think right. that that's what happens. And does is it Dan Hedaya who says, "I'm not going to shoot you between the eyes. I'm going to shoot you between the balls," or or was that Bennett? Oh, that sounds like a Bennett line. <laughs> that does sound like a Bennett line. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to shoot you between the balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that definitely sounds like Bennett. So good. All right. Yeah. So Dan Hedaya dies, and um, Bennett. Oh, it's interesting. Speaking of Nightmare on Elm Street, there were parts where Bennett is kind of chasing after Alyssa Milano. Right. And it kind of has a Nightmare on Elm Street vibe in terms of like, it looks like they're kind of in like a boiler room. Yeah. Um, it's like underground and it's like darkly lit and, and there's a furnace. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, which definitely figures in later on in, <laughs> in the fight. Yeah. Uh, the, I guess, yeah, the ultimate fight of the movie. <laughs> um, totally. The one we've been waiting for. And um yeah it's it's like what i remember from that scene leading up to it was the uh yeah she finds a way to like hide um right. yeah like some i mean you know obviously she's pretty resourceful cuz she even figured out how to 
to pull that that plank out of the window to sneak out of the where they were holding her hostage. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I can't remember how he outsmarts him, uh, how she outsmarts him, like in yeah. in terms of hiding. Like, was it a room that was like a storage room or something like that? Yeah, I think I think that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. And then um, Arnie catches up, so it leads to the big sh- showdown. <laughs> Um, I think at this point, I forget whether Arnold has any bullets left, but they pretty quickly, if if they did have guns, they ditch them and they fight right. mono a mono. Of course, um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty fun little scrap. You know, they're kind of going back and forth, and they're kind of. I, f- I think that they move through like multiple levels yeah. of the uh, the compound, right? Um. And then there's that classic scene where they're kind of up against the furnace. Yeah. And they're kind of like pushing each other back and forth. And yeah. one of the trivia pieces that, that, that I read that I thought was, was really funny. So there's a scene where, where they're both kind of like holding each other by the throat. Yeah. And at one point, I think Arnold's back is against the furnace. Yeah, yeah. And then at some <laughs> point, they like switch. Right. And you can hear someone say, switch. Oh, I missed that. I totally missed that. <laughs> yeah, so it's like if you go, like it so if you go back and you watch that scene right before they switch positions and and then and Bennett has his back against the furnace. You hear someone like say say switch, which is Whoa. kind of funny. Okay. Um yeah. <laughs> probably the stunt coordinator. That's what I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like it was supposed to be removed somehow, but again maybe they couldn't. I yeah, mm. I don't know. Um, but then, uh, but then, ultimately, it leads to one of the great deaths um, yes. and one of the great lines. Yep. Do you want to say it? Uh, okay, sh- I'll give it a shot. Okay. So Arnold, he grabs. Uh, it looks like a steam a steam pipe. Yeah. Throws it straight through um, Bennett's chest and says, "Let off some steam." <laughs> and it's like the timing is perfect. Yeah, <laughs> the the you know the enunciation, uh, you see kind of Bennett, you know, kind of his last gasps, and he dies right, right there, and um, and the whole time Jenny is like smiling. <laughs> it's really funny. Well, I mean, like, the, the thing is, I guess this is another line that um, uh, I mean, we we can lead into that, like yeah. the differences between the director's cut and the theatrical cut. There's a line that she has in the director's cut where she says. Um, I'm looking forward to my dad kicking your ass. So she relishes her, yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. him like uh, just brutalizing everybody. Totally. And just like another like piece of trivia related to this line, there is actually a song called "Let Off Some Steam," Bennett by um uh, this metal band called Austrian Death Machine. <laughs> <laughs> That's the title <laughs> That's of the a- song. That's amazing. Yeah, and you know, just like the coincidence too that you know, uh, the band is called Austrian Death Machine, and obviously uh, Arnie is uh, Austrian. Austrian. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. I yeah. I guess that is a good point that Bennett is essentially her her kidnapper, and like, you know, it's not a plot point, but you could. I don't know, like. Maybe he was even like a molester or something. Oh like, man! There's like, yeah. like it, it could have been. It, it's not. 
it's you know it's maybe not what happened, but it's certainly on the table. Yeah, you can definitely see Bennett being that kind of creep. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean, and that- so to kind of. To see a four-inch pipe go through his stomach is pretty cool. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, the room that they were keeping her in, which, like, had no furniture whatsoever, yeah. was just, like... So sad. Yeah, it was. I was just like, man. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Bennett gets his comeuppance, and then, um, yeah, they they ride off into the sunset on that... They ride um, off on that plane. Yeah. That yeah. Plane. <laughs> and that's and, Commando. Uh, that's Commando. It's a tight. It's a tight movie. Yeah, hour and a half. Yeah, um, and really fun. And um, I was thinking of like what, when the movie ended, I was thinking about it must have been really fun to do the ADR. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like like you're saying, they probably got to ad lib. They got to add a lot of like grunts and yells, and I don't I don't know. It just it seemed like it was a fun time. Yeah. For sure. I mean, uh, uh, I guess another like backstory behind the movie was that you know uh, Ray Don Chong like um, nailed her audition for the movie, and she really believed in the movie. She knew it was gonna be a hit. You know, that's why she wanted to do it. And cool. yeah, so uh, it paid off. So yeah, obviously they. And I mean, I I think also um the director Mark L. Lester, he says that this is his favorite movie that he's made of his. Cool. So. Yeah, it's like it's it's really well done for a movie that can also be categorized. I don't know if you can categorize it as like schlocky. Yeah, a little um, bit, but yeah, it definitely is an action film for first and yeah, foremost. Yeah, it's not just, but it's not just like an action film. It's like, is this part of like a, a like a subgenre of of action? That, you know, like um, I don't know. It's it's charming and fun in right. a way that like it's not just like a, I don't know. It's just different. You know, it's it's you know it's it's definitely part of a a lineage of Arnold and you know other kinds of movies that kind of have the same sort of air about them. But um, yeah, it's just good. It's just yeah. really fun. Also, I noticed there was a lot of close-ups in, in the movie, or 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 like um, especially for Arnold, a lot of the things he was communicating was like with a quick, like a quick glance. Mm-hmm. Like Cindy would say something funny, and then he would have a reaction <laughs> shot. Yeah, and it was like it, it. There's something about that about seeing Arnold do that that just always kind of works, um, especially at this right. time. Yeah, yeah. He 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 knows how to do a slow burn, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, really good. Um, I'm just kind of going through my notes here to sure. see. Oh yeah, I have kind of one more trivia thing that I thought was funny. So when they get to the Valverde Airport, um, and the goons are kind of like waiting and looking at who's coming off of the airplane. Yeah, in the back, it's supposed to say Aeropuerto Valverde, yeah. mm-hmm. but it's misspelled. <laughs> it says Aero P U E T R O instead of okay R T O. Oh yeah. wow! Well, you know what that airport was, right? Did you recognize it? Was that Burbank? Yes, it was. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's totally Burbank Airport. That's oh so my funny. god! Yeah. Aero, Aero yeah, and they did this, Like you know, they they made it more Hispanic. Yeah, <laughs> they they made That's it so like funny. look like the people sells goods on outside <laughs> on the you know the driveway where you you drive past to pick people up. Yeah, it's like, but it's yeah. totally Burbank Airport. That's oh so my good. god! Yeah. <laughs> um, 
yeah i i think that's kind of all i got um oh oh the um i thought that the boiler scenes also kind of reminded me of what you would see later in terminator 2 sure yeah yeah i mean the finale so it's like a lot of there's a there's a lot of stuff in this movie that i think um gets teased out more like Mm -hmm. i almost wonder if a movie like predator if that movie gets made and Arnold Arnold is leading it because of they saw Commando and saw how cool he looked in the Commando gear and we're like, well, let's make a movie that's all that. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, yeah, it's just strange. You bring up uh, Predator and, um, you know, we wonder like why this one doesn't have that reputation or like Terminator. And um, I think one of the big things that the it has to do with is because the director is not on that same level as, you know, Walter Hill or um, John McTiernan or even William Friedkin, who I I feel like those three guys like pretty much dominated like action cinema in the eighties, you know, Um, particularly the first two guys. Um, uh, But yeah, like, um, yeah, that, that was really it because they also came from, I guess this, um, lineage of like they you know they're very cine literate they've watched like art films and you can tell like you know if you even just like watch the diehard commentary with john mctiernan mm-hmm. like he knows like his art films you know mm-hmm. and that that's what he draws inspiration from whereas mark l lester is really more like kind of a a journeyman type of director i mean uh, the only other movie of his that i've seen is actually um uh class of 1999 which is the the sequel to uh, Class of 1984. Uh, So I've never seen Class of 1984, but I've seen Class of 1999, but I enjoyed that movie too. Right. Yeah, so um, yeah, I think he's a competent director. He also made uh, Firestarter, which, you know, has been remade recently. Like, they just actually came out with a remake. Yeah, Um, but the original had um, Drew Barrymore in it. But yeah, I think that's part of the reason why this one has kind of been forgotten in a way. Um, and hopefully, yeah, there, yeah. there is a more of an appreciation for it. Yeah. And, and like, it doesn't have like, like a supernatural or a sci-fi kind of added twist, right. you know, it's, you know, whereas the, all those, all those have just a little more, maybe of a unique story. Right. Yeah. Like total recall as well. You can throw that in as a, another one of Arnie's movies. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Even the running man, I feel like right. that's like one of my favorite Arnold movies. And I feel like, yeah, it doesn't have the same reputation. But I think if I if I rewatched it, it there's probably something off in like the writing or like right. the characters or something. Yeah, I mean that's another movie that I I don't remember how like it ends. Like uh, I mean I remember seeing yeah. like the opening and then that's it. That's that's all I have with that movie. Like I, yeah, yeah, I need to rewatch that one too. Yeah, I think it kind of ends the way you think it would end. You okay, know? it's like you know so. Yeah, but I, I definitely remember watching The Running Man and thinking, like, like once you get to the game show and you kind of get what the what what the movie is gonna be, yeah, being really excited by it, being like, yeah. oh, okay, th- this is what it's gonna be, <laughs> right? Um, but then yeah, just like the wrap up isn't great, okay. and I think the characters, like, I think his friends who are helping him, like, aren't that helpful or like you know, it's a, you know, it's 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 one of those things where it's like you, you have to have friends but the plot doesn't quite make sense or like their motivations don't make sense, you know? Right. Yeah, for sure. But, um, but in commando, it's that, that's the other thing that kind of works about it. It's, it's a small cast. Yeah, for sure. But a solid cast, 
like everybody yeah. is is great in it. Even, Everybody's good, even with Dan even Hedaya. Sully. Well, no, I love Sully, yeah, but Dan Hedaya's weird accent, like uh, it's like yeah, it's just a solid cast through and through. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. So um, yeah, is there a favorite kind of moment? Like, do you have like like a favorite kill or a favorite scene? In the uh, I mean, that, like... obviously, it's the airplane scene. That's really the one <laughs> with the two yeah. one liners. I mean that is, that's like uh, a YouTube clip that I I can like replay <laughs> over and over again. Yeah, and never get tired of it. Yeah, I really like that scene. I also really like Sully's death, and um, but also yeah, um, yeah, in, in just rewatching it and talking about it with you, the scene where Arnold rips out the seat <laughs> yeah. is pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. amazing. So, um, well, cool. yeah, just a, a couple more things I have about the movie. Um, oh, I just found out too that you know I was making that link with Exit Wounds. I completely forgot that Bill Duke was in Exit Wounds too. So there oh, must wow. have been like this knowing homage to his scene in Commando because he's also in that movie. Um, Man. and then uh, my what a great career, right? Yeah, he and he's still at it. He's been in a few like Steven Soderbergh movies actually. Like he was in uh, No Sudden Move and uh, High Flying Bird. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um. And uh. Yeah. I will. I. I just was curious what was the difference because we we saw the director's cut of the movie, but I wanted to know like what was the difference between the director's cut and the theatrical cut. Mm-hmm. And I went to moviecensorship.com, which is a great resource by the way because it actually has the timestamps of like the differences cool. so i'm not going to go through all of them but i'll just say like yeah i mentioned the Alyssa milano line that's only in the director's cut where he, she says i'm looking forward to my dad kicking your ass and um the other well yeah the gore in um in uh, in the shed scene was uh, way more brutal in the director's cut <laughs> than in the theatrical. <laughs> they they extended yeah. some of those parts, and then also um, yeah, there's just a little more like kind of exposition. Like uh, yeah, the the scene where um, he tells uh, Cindy about like you know his wife and you know why he's um, uh, uh, like he's trying to rescue his daughter like that that that's all in the director's cut too. But all in all, it's it's not that huge of a difference. It's maybe like less than two minutes um uh, of a difference but i guess yeah that is a lot in okay. terms of like the the gore stuff <laughs> you know? nice. um but yeah and then uh another thing like valverde uh by the way was also used in other movies as kind of like a uh a substitute for nicaragua and all these um latin countries that had uh um like a, a dictatorship and there there was another movie that came out in, later in the 80s that um addressed it more directly and i you know it probably goes into it in more depth and it's an amazing film and i highly recommend it to be able to see is um walker by alex cox okay. i mean actually i, I i'm kind of i feel like i'm due for a rewatch of that maybe we we can cover it uh in a future episode sure yeah for sure and then um okay my favorite imdb trivia Steve, and I don't know if you okay. came across this one for the movie. Um, do you know how much the body count was in the movie? Oh. <laughs> uh, I don't. Okay, so they say it's a hundred and nine, but guess how many oh. of those were by Arnold Schwarzenegger? Uh, hundred. Uh, God, did, did did anybody else kill anybody? Um, hundred. Let's let's say a hundred and eight. <laughs> Close. It was a hundred and two. 
<laughs> so yeah, obviously you know the, the two soldiers got killed at the house in his raid, oh, right, and then okay. the three the three ex team members that he had were also killed. But oh, every right, yeah. everybody else was killed by Arnold. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, he killed that... over a hundred people in that movie, yeah. and he walks away at the end the hero. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. And oh, that's great. Yeah, I guess just um a couple of things to wrap it up. Uh, you know, the 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 other reason why I think this movie doesn't get seen enough is because it's not readily accessible in streaming. Um, right. Yeah. It's another one of these titles you can stream it, but you have to sign up for like an extra like subscription to like Stars or something like that, and that's really mm-hmm. annoying. And um, the other thing is that um. Uh, you know, Disney actually now owns this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, is there a posit- So, so there's a world where it can be on like Disney Plus. <laughs> well, you know, Disney has their own uh, streaming service that's like their adult thing where they dump things on. It's uh, Hulu. They own Hulu. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but it's oh. not on Hulu. It's not on Hulu. I I don't get it because you know they basically acquired Fox. And they just don't know what to do with their properties. Like, I mean, I, I, if anything, if people love like movies that were produced by Fox, actually, one piece of advice I would give them is like buy them on Blu-ray or DVD because, um, yeah, Disney just doesn't know what to do with them. They're letting like a lot of the rights like lapse with them, and they're letting some of these titles go out of print. Like, I actually recently just bought um, The Fly. You know David Cronenberg's *The Fly* with Jeff Goldblum. Oh yeah, and Love that, that one. Yeah, yeah, it's a great movie. It was like a box office hit, but like I think Disney's like just letting the DVD or the Blu-ray go out of print. Like, so the prices are going up for this this Blu-ray. So you know, uh, so yeah, if you love Commando, get it on Blu-ray because okay. <laughs> you know Disney does not know what to do with it. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's good. All right, and I guess Steve, one more thing before we go, I want to ask you, uh, where do you rank? Commando in your in oh good Arnie movies no, the Arnold Pantheon <laughs> yeah okay. I'm thinking about this yeah like it's uh if I had to go top what are my favorites so this is just out of order I yeah. love Predator sure. Running Man um I remember really liking True Lies yes when it came out um and then the Terminators are really good yep so the question is. I, it probably is better than Running Man, but I have nostalgia for Running Man is the issue. Right. So I would say it's probably at like six. Wow. Yeah. I thought you would rate this higher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought I would too because um, – it, but, but I think it's just, again, it's I, – I, I really like this movie. Yeah. I think it's just – the five I named, I really like also. Sure, it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's it's no knock on it. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I, I you're right. I I would actually also. It's just because the two Terminator movies already take up two spots. Um, I mean Predator, of course, is also up there, and then um, I'm trying to think what what else uh, would be ahead you of know, it. There's like the Kindergarten Cop uh, kind of yeah, mo- movies. Yeah, but there's, I um, wouldn't rank Kindergarten Cop over this. Last oh, uh, what the um, you named it Total Recall. Yeah, Total Recall. One. Yeah, I would I would definitely rank that above two. Oh yeah, I forgot about Paul Herwin. And people really like the Conans. Yeah, um, they're not my favorite. You know, I haven't seen either of them actually. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I should watch that. Um. But yeah, I guess True Lies is also up there for me. That's one of my favorite Arnie movies. Yeah. 
it's um, again it, it it's it's unique it's like it's like they pulled off comedy action right. they pulled off even like it's even romantic comedy at times sure um and you can only do that with like peak arnold kind of it's like it's very unique but yeah at the same time like i don't know if it has the rewatchability of this you know of something because I, I feel like true lies was kind of long yeah um and you just kind of want to get to it yeah yeah it, it's hard to find these days too and i i think yeah. there's some political reasons as to why <laughs> oh sure um yeah. yeah but uh yeah, I mean that that's another movie I kind of want to revisit just to see if it still holds up cuz it, it yeah. has been a while but yeah, it, it, I guess I I guess in my heart I feel like Commando is like up there like it's top yeah. 5 but then you when you go through it's just him just having such a rich filmography when he was at his peak that yeah. it, it it gets pushed down because of that. Yeah, I think most people would have it above Running Man. Sure. It just so happens I just really like the Running Man. Um, yeah, and I mean, yeah, I, I, I think for most people it would go probably tr- the Terminators, yeah, Predator, Predator, Commando, and then True Lies. True Lies. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, yeah I rewatched um, uh, Last Action Hero recently, and yeah, that didn't really hold up for me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some fall off after T2. Sure. Or sorry, I guess after True Lies, where it was just like, you you just start to kind of realize, oh, it's it, it might be over, and it might yeah. also be this like, the way that the movies looked, at some point changed. Like there's something about the eighties, the seventies into eighties kind of there's a gauze on the on on an action movie that just right. looks right. Yeah, um, and then once things got too crisp, it got um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean he had this like. Uh quadruple whammy after true lies too it was like junior eraser uh jingle all the way and then batman and robin it's like how can you recover from from those movies you know right batman and robin that's uh yeah or he has um you know some catchphrases there too like you know cool body (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh man yeah well well good man yeah i'm glad you picked this movie yeah, thank you for for, for watching it, and um, I th- I definitely think we can make you know this kind of a you know this kind of of a perspective of of a, of a movie whole a little more of like a fun sure wh- whatever it is like like you know part of the roster of podcasts you know yeah absolutely fun. yeah and uh, you know Steve it's good to have you back oh yeah and uh, yeah we got a lot of exciting stuff in store I mean we're we're gonna have more guests and yes a lot more fun movies to discuss and i'm really looking forward to it me too carlo let's uh let let's bring this baby home all uh, right where can people find you on 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 the interwebs uh i mean you know movie food obviously movie food pod at um that's right at twitter that's probably the easiest yep. um but uh yeah if you want my personal one it's astrofish uh a-s-t-r-o-f-i S-C-H, I have to <laughs> include that yeah. um, that C because, oh, fishy. I forgot the Y because Astro somebody fishy. else is Astrofish on uh, right. on Twitter and they, they're inactive and it's so annoying. Like they're just sitting, they're squatting on that handle. Mm-hmm. I want that handle. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm Astrofishy with a Y. I know. It's like a long-term goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
and yeah, and you could follow you. You're, you have a great letterbox. You can see what you're watching. You're archiving everything. Yes, I'm. I think I'm also Astrofish on on Letterbox. Yeah, I am Astrofish. You are. Yeah. Letterbox. So, yeah. Yeah. You can get to my Twitter through the Movie Food Pod Twitter. So I'll just kind of leave it there. Right. If you want to follow my Mosh Pit Highlight YouTube channel, it's Pit Hits on YouTube. I just posted my twelfth video. Nice. That's fun. I like that number. Um, and um, yes, thank you, sir. And um, I guess we should also announce. I don't think we've announced this yet, even though it's up. We have a Patreon. Oh yeah, we and, do. And uh, the Patreon, it's uh, we don't have any you know special offers up there. It's just right now. It's just for tips. Yeah. You want to support us? That's right. If you want to support, yeah. if you've made it this far and you're like, you know what, I kind of like what these guys are doing. I want to help support them. We have a couple of tiers there. You can help support, and who knows? Maybe at some point we will start adding some premium content on there. Absolutely, yeah. I can definitely see like exclusive episodes, something. Yeah, yeah. but for right now, everything we're doing, we're providing here on the main feed. But yeah, check out the Patreon. I think I think you just go to Patreon and then search Movie Food Pod. Perfect. Or it might might, it might even just be Movie Food. Uh, But yeah. Okay. Excellent. Another one in the books. We did it, Carlo. All right. Till next time. And I bid thee adieu. Goodbye.